It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the mind of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Guestman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gesman. With me, as always, Mr. Kevin Baxter, coming to you on Monday, May 14th, 2018, after the LA Galaxy's 3-2 loss. I could have just basically repeated that after the last three games. But after the LA Galaxy's 3-2 loss to FC Dallas on Saturday uh, afternoon, a uh, an unimpressive game overall from uh, where we're standing, but uh, certainly we have a ton of things to talk about, including... Some changes to the lineup. Siggy Schmidt made uh, the overall result of that game. Giovanni Dos Santos and Jonathan Dos Santos and role they played in there and a whole bunch more, including a ton of your telephone calls into the COG hotline. So we have a bunch to get to, as we always do, and we are glad that you are here joining us. And uh, let's stop for a second and check in at our northernmost listening post here uh, with Mr. Kevin Baxter on the telephone again. Kev, how's it going, buddy? Hey, I tried to reach you yesterday. I wanted to wish you a happy Mother's Day. Uh, wh- why? Why would I? Why would I be a mother? Why? Well, that's what I was thinking too. But I ran into somebody and they said, "Give Josh a call. He's a real mother." Oh, and yes. So I tried to call you and wish you a happy Mother's Day, but I couldn't reach you. Oh, Welcome boy. to Panda and Pato's Morning Zoo. Pato, 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 and Panda. Panda in the morning. Panda and Pato in the morning. Just going to kick it right off with that, huh, Kevin? That's 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 where we're going to go for this particular show. The Galaxy fans are already in mourning after the uh, the the fourth consecutive loss here for the LA Galaxy, and you, you have to throw in a joke like that right at the beginning. Well, you know, I watched the game, um, as a lot of people did. I did not go to Dallas with the team, so I watched the game from home and went out to my favorite um, fast food restaurant to get some food to bring home and watch the game. And, of course, my favorite fast food restaurant is Panda Express. So I went to the local Panda Express, came home, watched the game. When it was over, I was Panda depressed. That was um, that was um, not good. You know, the Galaxy have only led for 45 minutes in the last nine games. So you go back and uh, they beat Portland. They led in that game most of the game. Then right. New York City, they never led. Vancouver, it was a scoreless draw. They never led. LAFC, they didn't lead. Right. They scored the go-ahead goal in stoppage time, so technically they, they never led as far as minutes being ticked off the clock. Absolutely true. So they didn't lead there, didn't lead against Sporting Kansas City. They led. Uh, they got a goal in first-half stoppage time against Chicago, and that's the last time that they led a game. Yeah, so if you want to add up your 45 minutes, which is the second half of the Chicago game, if you want to add up the uh, Portland uh, game there as well, it's 103 total minutes that the LA Galaxy have led in 2018, Kevin, and that accounts for just 11.4% of the total game minutes out of 900 minutes in 10 games played so far. So just 11.4% of the time have the Galaxy actually been playing with a lead in 2018, and it is the source, in my opinion, of most of their issues. Uh, it highlights the porous defense that they currently have, and Siggy Schmidt tried to tweak some things, and I think he ended up doing more harm than good. In fact, I'm still scratching my head about it, but the LA Galaxy have allowed goals in uh, in seven of their first 10 games have allowed the first goal, and they are one Six and O in those games. The one win being LAFC, which is a uh, a a a prayer that was answered by the soccer gods on that particular day, coming back from a uh, three nothing down to win that game four three. So 
I mean, you look at what has happened and what has progressed here in 2018 for the LA Galaxy, just starting, Kevin, and you have to start with the defense being porous and giving up those first goals, and you can see the effect it's having on the entire team. Well, and then the effect it's having on Zlatan, which I'm sure that we'll talk about, he does not seem like he's a happy camper. He said a couple times, I heard him say it, that um, that he has never played on a team that lost three straight games. And I tried the best I could, could to look that up. Malmo, his team that he played on, his boyhood team from um, Sweden, that team lost three in a row in 2001. That was the season that Zlatan went from Sweden to uh, to the Netherlands. Um, that team lost lost three games in a row, and from what I can tell, Zlatan played at least one of those games, got a red card, uh, and then did not play the second game of a three-game losing streak. So perhaps that's what he's saying, that he didn't play all three games. But I do know for a fact he has never been a member of a team that has lost four in a row. So this is new territory for Zlatan. This is a guy who won 33 trophies in Europe. Um, and and you can see, you know, he got he was very upset with Ola Kamara in the first half on a, on a poor pass. Um he is not a happy camper. He has never experienced anything like this before. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I think he's probably got to be angry with people around him that brought him to MLS and told him to go. I mean, it looked like a smart decision. If you think back at the time, I mean, he had uh, the galaxy had seemingly fixed everything that went wrong last season. They had a, a uh, distinguished coach in Ziggy Smith. They had a, uh, a really good off season makeover. They got the, the uh, frontline score. They wanted Nola Kamara, um, yeah, Alessandrini coming back to potential World Cup players and the Dos Santos brothers. Everything looked to be pretty good. It just hasn't worked out that way. And, and it's a lot done having never gone through anything like that. He's looking in, to me increasingly and increasingly more frustrated. Yeah, you can certainly see it. Um, I, I don't know that it hurts him, though, Kevin. I don't think it hurts his overall legacy. I think what's hurting right now is the Galaxy's overall legacy. Uh, I think, you know, what what people on the international stage are saying is that the LA Galaxy don't deserve someone like Zlatan. Not that Zlatan is tarnishing something that he has built over these years. I mean, the guy is going to the LA Galaxy for basically no money. It's almost free. Um, so I don't know that you can blame him for coming. And, I yeah, he could be upset for people, you know, bringing him to MLS. But um, what's crazy with this 2018 team is that it's basically – um, it's 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 a it's a worse team record-wise than the 2017 team right now through the same number of games, and you say that understanding that the Galaxy spent a ton more money, um, and that they have way more talent on this team. So again, I'm not ready to write off the players of this team. I'm I am thinking that though that this is this is more and more just proof of a poorly constructed team again just like it was last year although in different ways uh, maybe spending we could certainly say is maybe some poorly spent money on some players uh, Jorgen Shelvik certainly pops to mind at a million dollars um, for his uh, for his contract but it's 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 just it's a different team this team is not even coming close to playing together or even showing attractive soccer at times the goals they're getting are more breakaways than anything else and you don't really see a built up style of play and and you know there's going to be we have nine people who called into the show um over the weekend kevin and you're going to see that there's questions about the style what kind of style are the galaxy playing is there anything that you can point to to the galaxy that shows how they want to play the ball because i've been watching this team for 10 games plus the preseason kevin i have no idea what they're trying to do with the ball and who they're trying to play through well, you know, who would have thought that last year, the worst team in franchise history, the worst season in franchise history, 
who would have thought that we'd be talking about that season as the halcyon days of the galaxy, you know, the, 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 the days when they really had it all together. But this, uh, this season almost makes you pine for last year. Um, I, I guess I'm a little bit influenced on, on the uh, broadcasting team that I was listening to on TV on uh, Saturday, but they were talking about the galaxy, you know, and their defensive line, very high, um, did it, sort of the criticism that you had not really playing much of an attacking mode, sort of laying back and a very defensive posture. You know, you saw Ola Kamara involved in, in making some uh, great plays down in inside that his own team's penalty area. I mean, playing defense uh, and, you know, all credit to him. He's doing it. He's actually doing a really good job playing defense as a forward, but he shouldn't be back doing that. And then there was some criticism at least on the broadcast I heard about Zlatan not playing defense. You know what? He's not supposed to play defense. That's not what he's here for. You didn't get him as a center back. He's supposed to be a forward. So it was, it was strange. The guys on the broadcast couldn't figure it out either. At one point they had the, the galaxy being um, far too, too defensive. And then at the same time, they were talking about Zlatan not tracking back on defense. So um, it's kind of a mishmash of everything. Well, well, this is the first time I've been frustrated by a lineup. Whenever I saw it, I said, what are you trying to do here, Siggy? What is the point? For most of these things, I can say, okay, I understand what he's trying to do. Technically speaking, with put, starting Chris Pontius instead of Sebastian Legette, there was probably concern that in the heat, the Galaxy weren't going to have any impact subs in the second half. And with Sebastian Legette, they're still trying not to give him 100% workload and do all these things. You, you almost understand what you do by putting him to the bench instead of starting him. But whenever you did this, by putting Legette to the bench and not starting him, then you put Pontius out wide and you're going to put you know, Roman Alessandrini in the center is the playmaker, and he's basically going to take up the spot that Jonathan Dos Santos did. And Jonathan Dos Santos, what, is going to be a some sort of, you know, defensive-minded midfielder? Because that's really how they kind of played up. They didn't play in a 4-3-3 on this one, Kevin. Ola Kamara was clearly a left-sided winger. So when you look at all these things they put in, Siggy threw so many wrinkles into this lineup that were unnecessary, in my opinion, and he didn't come close to putting what I thought was a competitive team on the field, despite the fact that he got a lot of people, you know, in this game. But the, the biggest question is, you had Ashley Cole at left back, that makes sense, Shelvick and Siani in the center back's fine, we've seen that. Why is Daniel Starris playing right back? What in Siggy's mind thought that Daniel Starris who I think is an okay center back, but certainly doesn't have speed and doesn't have the anticipation or the will to probably run up and down the wings that a right back is supposed to do. Why do they put him over there at right back? What did Dave Romney do? Personally, there's there's no advantage that I can see that Dave Romney can't provide over Daniel Starris, and that change shows me so many things. One, that Siggy Schmidt has no belief in Dave Romney. Uh, that they think that they're lost as a defense without Rolf Felcher, right? And that Emra Clementa, the guy they brought in to be the right-back backup, is no, is nowhere to be found on this team. I mean, yeah, he, he may be on the bench, and that's great. Yay. But is he ever going to get any time playing? Because that's supposed to be his position. So what you're saying is the guy you went out to replace the right-back because you knew you needed depth there, you've decided he's not the answer either. Thomas Hilliard Arce isn't the answer for you either. Uh, Dave Romney's not the answer. Daniel Stairs isn't the answer. This feels a lot like 2017 all over again. Yeah, well, with Clementa, what you're saying is we have two center backs that we prefer at right back over you, which is a real slap. 
Um, it, you know, Steris was arguably beaten on the first two goals. The first one, he was clearly beaten, and, and I still don't know why he started waving for an offside flag. Whether the play was offside or not, you need to play through to, to, to the conclusion of the play, to a whistle or to a goal or uh, whatever happens. But, uh, you know, Steris was not that far behind the, the Dallas attacker when he started waving for an offside call. Uh, and all of a sudden, the guy that he was supposed to be marking pulled away and scored. And then the second one, he just got caught ball watching. Um, and, and the Galaxy have bigger problems now this next week because Ashley Cole is not going to be available. He's going to be suspended for the second time this year, this time for red card accumulation or yep, yellow, yellow card, card accumulation. Yep. And so now they don't have either one of their outside backs. And this whole idea of using center backs, I mean, something's going to have to give one of these guys, I would guess, are going to come off the bench. I mean, I think if we see the lineup in Montreal and it's Romney at one side and Steris at the other side, you know, you might as well turn it off and watch, I don't know, a rerun of Dumb and Dumb or whatever because it's not going to be a pretty game. And, and, and Montreal is, let's, I mean, in looking forward a little bit, when you look at the statistics and you look at uh, the standings and the numbers and everything else, and I know we're going to get into that a little bit, this Montreal game, it's on the road, but it is absolutely a game that the Galaxy need to win. Yeah. Um, this is a team that is, um, you know, they're 3-8-0. and They've given up 26 goals. Uh, Montreal has um, uh, just they just give up a ton of shots the, the 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 worst in MLS as far as goals allowed it's a game that the Galaxy absolutely has to win to get things turned around because if not um, it, it, it seems like this uh, to bottomless well yeah it's a bottom but that game on Monday by the way the Galaxy technically don't even play this week um, they play next week which is which is Monday um, and it's a holiday in Canada so the Galaxy will play two games next week actually Monday and Friday Friday they'll be home uh, finally again but it's a Monday game and noon kickoff here a three o'clock kickoff in Montreal and I believe it's Victoria Day in Canada which is why they're playing this game on Monday and why the LA Galaxy will travel on Saturday train on Sunday and play on Monday to make it back here, I imagine, Kevin, on either Monday night or on uh, on Tuesday. So the LA Galaxy, an extremely long road trip coming up with Montreal. But, I mean, there's stuff to look at here without Ashley Cole. I mean, you could move Shelvick, who has struggled at center back. You could move him to left back because we talked about him being able to play there before. So you could put Steris and Siani in the center and then Romney out wide. But, I mean... Again, why was there tweaking done in this game? I said there was one tweak that I would like to see, and that was that Jonathan Dos Santos would come in and pair up with Sebastian Legette in the midfield um, instead of Perry Kitchen starting. And I've been disappointed in Kitchen's play in the last two games, and I don't think that he's helping the offense any, and I would rather get a more offensive team out there in order to try to attack some of these things instead of trying to put a Band-Aid over a defense that in basically you know needs open-heart surgery. And you're not going to fix it with Perry Kitchen. And he got beat on the first goal with Maxi Arruti going across, and why Shelvick doesn't step up, and why Chris Pontius gives the ball away um, it seems like it's a comedy of errors for the Galaxy, and when you look at where those people were put in those positions, it's Siggy Schmidt making those calls and tweaking the lineup in those ways that happen. Uh, again, Kamara gets, uh, scores three goals in a row, or three games in a row, gets a goal. You had Boateng score, and you know I've been critical of him uh, in this, but I thought the absolute right, right uh, decision was the sub, Perry Kitchen, um, at halftime for Sebastian Legette, but that's how the Galaxy should have started. And then they lose Jonathan Dos Santos, and you have to bring Servando Carrasco in. That's basically where things fell apart. And let's remember, Kevin, the Galaxy were losing, you know, uh, two to nothing, three to three to nothing at one point. No, they were losing two to two to nothing, and Ola Kamara scored a goal 
Um, and you kind of felt, or at least I felt, that the Galaxy were were not back in that game. I know Kamara scored the goal. I know it was 2-1. I know things got really close there, and everything looked like it was going to be good, but you just knew that there was something in this Galaxy team that was going to allow another goal, and that, that third goal comes just five minutes after Ola Kamara scores, and so now it's 3-1. to one. And the only reason that this game is anywhere near competitive, because at 3-1, to one, the game was over. Okay, I don't care what anybody saw. There was no competitiveness from the Galaxy with FC Dallas being a full-strength side, at least in my opinion. All right, And you look at what happens um, with the red card and the two yellows from, uh, from Rito Ziegler, and Rito gets a second yellow card in the 73rd minute, and that's a red card, and all of a sudden the Galaxy have some life. And that is the only reason this game finished 3-2 for the third consecutive game. Is there is there a record for games finishing with a 3-2 score in, in consecutive uh, uh, days there, Kevin? Well, I think they're they're close to it. I think I think they're probably there. And speaking of uh, of scores, you know, Jesse's artist, Galaxy Alumni Alert, Jesse's artist is tied for the league lead with eight goals. We knew he was going to have a good season in Columbus. And I know everyone's cheering for him, at least when he's not playing the Galaxy. But leaves the league with eight goals. Uh, Ola Kamara is the leading Galaxy scorer. He has four goals. He's tied for 18th in the league. Again, Giassi's artist tied for first. Ola Kamara tied for 18th. In assists, Salatan leads the team in assists and he uh, with three, and he's tied for 20th in the league. So I don't know if offense is necessarily the problem. I think I agree with you. It, it seems to be definitely the defense where it's breaking down. But what I want to ask you is um, it sounds like, you're, when you look at the team, that it's not really the players that you're faulting. It sounds like you're putting all your blame on Ziggy. Yeah, I, I don't. I know these players can play. I know they can. Um, there's too much talent on this team. This is this feels like 2016 LA Galaxy, where you look and you see all these names and these players, and you know they can play. And God help me, I would take the 2016 LA Galaxy team right now compared to what is going on right now in 2017 or 2018. But you go back, and there was so much talent that wasn't realized and that's what this feels like you have guys like Ola Kamara uh, you know this is the I think the third podcast in a row I'll say it Kevin the LA Galaxy don't deserve Ola Kamara he's playing out of position he's still scoring goals he still has four goals and the dude hasn't been playing his up top striker position basically since the third or fourth game of the season so he's been playing six or seven games out of position for the LA Galaxy he's still scoring goals and he doesn't care all right. He may be angry that he's not playing that, but he's still going to go out there and he's still going to score goals, and he's doing way more work than he ever had to do in Columbus. And to me, it's there was a lot of criticism of Kurt Anolfo not playing guys in the right position and not putting guys in positions to succeed, right? But in my opinion, Siggy Schmidt has tweaked some of these players. And what, I mean, I can say, so Kamara played out of position, in my opinion. Allison Drini played out of position, in my opinion. Jonathan Dos Santos, playing too deep, played out of position. Uh, Daniel Starr is played out of position in this game. So there's those are all the players I think played out of position in this game. You can't do that and have a team that wins. And whether or not this was this team was constructed poorly and that's why you're playing guys out of position or whether or not it's not or, or whether or not it's it's Zlatan Ibrahimovic's fault, you you have to figure out a way for these guys to play together and be successful. And I I have zero confidence in the Galaxy's ability to go out and dominate a game, play well, score goals, and keep the other team off the board. Siggy can say that it's because they're always giving up the first goal, but honestly, Kevin, if the Galaxy would have scored the first goal against FC Dallas, would you have any belief in your in your mind of what you've seen with the Galaxy that we'd, they'd be able to win that game one nothing? No, you, you, it, it's getting to the point now where you're anticipating the train wreck to come. And, and it's interesting that you say all that because I'll, I'll do respect to, to Pato here, but 
if you're seeing that, the players are seeing that and feeling that. And, and there are bad teams. And last year's team was a bad team. And I think the players went out there and they knew, like, you know, we, we really – we're going to need a miracle to win today. This is a team they look around and they see the same thing that you see. These are really good players. We should be able to win this game. We should be competitive in this game. And when that doesn't happen and when, as you say, you see people out of position and, and not playing their best position asked to do things they're not supposed to do um, – you know the players know that, and I think when the players know that, that they and it continues to happen, I do think they're making the same determination that you are. I think they're looking at the the, the technical area, they're looking at the coach's box and saying, "Can't you figure this out? Help us out here." Um, and uh, you know, I, again, talking about the the feeling that this is a you know it's a bottomless well, it does feel that way. Of where is how far down is is down? I mean, where is the end of this thing? And and as the players begin to look around and, and realize that perhaps Ziggy doesn't have the answers or at least not providing them, what happens next? Do the players begin to tune him out? Do they start to freelance and do their own thing? Do they draw up plays in the dirt, you know, like you do when you're a kid and say, this is how we're going to play now, forget what the old man on the sideline said? Uh, there, there's no good to come out of this. As the player, If the players continue to feel like they're being uh, used incorrectly and they lose confidence in the coach and everyone starts to freelance, um, things can go south, even more south, believe it or not. It can, it can get worse. Uh, they can get worse real quick. Yeah, and again, I want to stress that I still think the Galaxy have played a pretty tough lineup. Um, whenever you look at the average table position of their opponents so far, it comes in at, at 7.8. So top eight in the league, basically, is is what the average is um, for those uh, for the opponents the Galaxy have played. Um, they've their wins, their three wins they have are top ten. So basically, the the team the the teams that they've played have averaged a table position of tenth of the teams that they've beaten, and they've lost to teams that have an average position of six point two. So you can look at all these things and say, yes, they've been. I'm fine with if they were playing better, Kevin. If you thought that they were a cohesive unit and they were getting beaten by better teams, that's one thing. But they're not that. They are not a cohesive unit. They are not a. They are not in these games for most of these games. I mean, you know, FC Dallas. But granted, I think the Galaxy did well not to concede early to FC Dallas in this particular. It took them 28 minutes. It was outside of the first 15 minutes, which yay, yay, everything's going right. But then you concede in the 28th minute, so you allow that goal, and then you concede in the 44th minute. Um, all these things you're looking at, and and you're like, okay, the Galaxy are out of it. And Ola Kamara gets that that goal in the second half. And you're and things are feeling a little bit better, and you're like, okay, two one, can they come back? Because this team certainly has shown a propensity to score goals and try to come back, but they've also shown a propensity to sh- to come up short in those chases that they've been doing. And it does, I think, with Siggy Schmidt and his game plan, that it's so fragile right now, Kevin. If they give up the first goal, they can't play their game at all, and it's done, and that's it, and they chase the game, and they have no idea how to chase the game and do it responsibly and all these other things that sort of go in there because I don't think they're being set up tactically to succeed, and there's such a giant hole in the middle of the the offense in that in that central playmaker. Who is that going to be? It's not going to be Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Stop pretending that it's going to be. He'll drop in there on occasion, but really it needs to be Jonathan Dos Santos, and we saw that he came out injured in this game. Granted, his brother, Giovanni Dos Santos, as I uh, reported on Friday, didn't even travel with the club to Dallas. Um, And you're getting these guys. I mean, you know, I've been keeping on track of the designated players and how many minutes they've played. 
Giovanni Dos Santos, Kevin, has only played 34.6% of the total minutes available. That's 311 minutes out of 900 minutes. All right. He missed five games completely. Yeah, he's exactly. He's he's played in five games, and there's ten games total in the season so far. He's started four games. All right, Jonathan Dos Santos, a little bit better, has played in. By six, the way, he's getting over six million dollars. I, 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 that's what I heard. Six million dollars. Yeah. Se- seems like a lot. Seems like a lot. If I'm going to yeah. be honest. So let's say he's getting more than a million dollars a game so far. So yeah, I think there's a Twitter account that is uh, currently saying how much Giovanni Dos Santos made that particular day. So you can uh, you can go ahead and watch that. Watch that. Uh, Jonathan Dos Santos, um, six games played, five games started, 442 total minutes. He's played 49.1 percent of the total available minutes. I mean, Romelu Alessandrini isn't exempt from this, except that he's been playing a lot more. He has seven games played, seven games started, but he's only picked up 58.7% of his total minutes. Uh, Ola Kamara, by the way, because uh, I keep track of him as well. I keep track of Ola Kamara and Zlatan Ibrahimovic as well. Uh, Ola Kamara uh, has only missed one game. That was because of international duty, so he's played 90% of the total minutes available to the Galaxy so far. Um, and then Zlatan Ibrahimovic only has seven games to his total there and has played 77.3% of his total minutes so far. So, I mean, you're not getting production out of your designated players right now, and that goes for Giovanni Dos Santos, certainly. Um, and then you go for Jonathan Dos Santos as well, and even Roman Alessandrini has to be thrown in that as well. And if there's one guy who is more frustrated, and I, I think is more frust- is frustrating fans as well, it's Roman Alessandrini right now, Kevin. He does not look comfortable at all in any position that Siggy Schmidt puts him in. Um, and his frustration routinely boils over into yellow cards. Yeah, he has not uh, certainly not been the player that he was last year, and that's disappointing. I'm sure it's disappointing for him, too, and I don't know what his mental state is right now. It would be interesting to try to find that out, but he stayed here. He stayed in Southern California during the offseason, did not go home to France. His wife went home for a little bit, but he stayed here because he wanted to get into his offseason workouts immediately. He wanted to work out under the supervision of the Galaxy staff, um, really seemed uh, hyper-dedicated this offseason, and um, in training camp, I thought he looked pretty good. And then all of a sudden the season started. Um, and, uh, I, I, you know, I don't know if you can, he, he did get hurt in the opener. And then by the time he came back, Zlatan was here. And I don't know if, if, if Zlatan having, you know, his presence changed in the lineup, whether that, I think that's one of Allison Drini's, uh, that's one of his reasons why he's not played well is that the, the formation has changed. And I'm not really not sure if that's a fair criticism because he seems to be playing in his ideal role. He seems to be playing the position that he would want to play. Um, but certainly he hasn't produced. He hasn't been the dangerous player that he was last year. And I think a lot of times opposing defenses kind of give up on him and, and don't mark him as tightly as they uh, you would think they would, given the statistics that he put up last year. You know, I've been doing this for long enough now, Kevin, that I will say there is a possibility on Allison Drini that it's because he had a baby. And the guys who tend to have a baby um, during, you know, d- during any time during the year or a young child um, that's new and stuff, they're, they're adjusting as they tend to struggle. And I think we've seen it to a whole bunch of different players throughout the year. Um, I think it takes a real, di- I, a real dedication in order to not slump during that time because you have to imagine they're pulling dad duties just like everybody else. Um, so I mean, it's not an excuse, okay? But it's something that, again, if I hadn't have witnessed this multiple times over multiple seasons, it's one of those things that you certainly have to keep an eye on. I remember Omar Gonzalez uh, maybe suffered a little bit from that as well. So you, you you look at all these things, and and there's certainly a lot of 
speculation on our part, I think, Kevin, just in trying to figure out what is wrong with this team. But, I, you know, from the players I've talked to, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't think that they're real happy with how things are going right now. And I don't know if that's frustration with Siggy Schmidt, uh, the coaching staff, the front office, or anything else. Um, but I certainly think they're frustrated and not winning and not being able to click and figure stuff out. And I would I would venture to say, in my opinion, reading them and talking to these guys, um, that it's coming from the coaching staff side that they don't I don't feel this team is prepared to go out and win games, Kevin. It doesn't seem that way. It, you can't tell me in any of the games. I mean, look at the LAFC game. It's three nothing before the Galaxy start to respond. That game was too big for a bunch of players that were on the field that day. Um, and somehow they managed to come through and win that game. But that's the outlier and not the rule right now. Uh, the rule right now is the LA Galaxy are easy to beat defensively. It doesn't take much. You can run sideways. You can run vertically. You can do anything you want. Um, and mostly that defense will let you do what they want to do. And Siggy can say that it's not physical enough. I think Siani's plenty physical. Uh, I just don't think he's good enough. Uh, I think that uh, Shelvick isn't good enough. Um I think Ashley Cole needs a better pairing back there in order to protect him from some of his weaknesses because he's not the fastest guy anymore, and he's not going to be. Uh, he's older, and that's he just has to play smarter and do things, and certainly picking up the yellow card when he did was not a smart foul, in my opinion. So you look at all those things. You try to try to feel where these guys are, and you know the Galaxy spent a ton of money on that back line and they're seeing zero results from it, and you can't blame it on Rolf Felcher being gone either because this happened well before he was gone. Well, the, yeah, the Ashley Cole yellow card, again, the second time in 11 games now, he'll miss the Montreal game, um, which is probably good for him. He's, he doesn't travel well, and having to go to Montreal is probably a trip that he wouldn't mind missing if he had to miss one. But um, the second suspension in 11 games uh, because of uh, um, um, you know, red or yellow cards. And he, he picked it up in first half uh, stoppage time. I and mean, there's no reason to, to do that. Just let the clock run out. I was about to say the Galaxy did a good job um, preventing a goal at the start of the game, which has been a problem for them. But then in the second half, they gave up a goal in the first seven minutes of the second half. And that was the goal that proved to be the game winner. So they really haven't solved that, uh, that problem either, meaning their play at the beginning of, of each half. Yeah, it's been it's been poor, and it's going to continue to be poor. Again, I don't think that there is a, a team identity and understanding of what they're trying to do here for the Galaxy. And if you can't, though, if you can't get something together against Montreal, Kevin, you already said it. I'm going to second it. You have to do something against Montreal. You need to get three points. There's there's no doubt about it. They're a weak team. Um, it's just a matter of how weak are the Galaxy. Are they worse than Montreal? And that's what we're trying to find out whenever they play on Monday. Um, that's, that's a crazy thing to say. When you look at Montreal, they look like a horrible team. But I'll tell you right now, the Galaxy uh, are instilling no faith in themselves whatsoever. I don't think anybody would go. You know, they just uh, the Supreme Court just knocked down, uh, just basically said it's up to the states whether or not they want to have uh, sports betting in their states. And I think I think there should I think there should be betting. I, I have no problems with betting. It's I call it a voluntary tax. Go have fun. Spend your money. Spend two dollars here on on betting on the galaxy if you really want to be a, a glutton for punishment. But who in their right mind would take the LA Galaxy, uh, you know, to win in Montreal right now? Who would want to bet on this LA Galaxy team even a little bit for a second? Uh, whenever you're thinking about things that you could bet on. Why would you take the LA Galaxy unless you're going to say that hey, there's a good chance they're probably going to lose because that's all they've shown in 2018, and quite honestly, a carryover from 2017. I remember getting 
getting screamed at, Kevin, by people who thought that whenever they beat Portland, uh, I think my, the title of my piece was Galaxy Do the Unexpected Get a Win at Home, right? And somebody said, how can you say that? This team is so much different than 2017. Is it, though? Is this team different than 2017? People wanted me to stop comparing Siggy Schmidt and, and Kurt Anolfo, Kevin, because they said this is a different team, a different year, and this team's going to be way better. And I think this team is still a much better team. They should be a middle-of-the-table-at-the-very-lowest team, but you're not seeing that. And if you're not seeing that with the talent they have, there's something wrong with the coaching, and if there's something wrong with the coaching, the Galaxy need to address it, and they have to do it soon. They're going to lose Giovanni Dos Santos and Jonathan Dos Santos at least short-term for, uh, for Mexico's provisional 35-man roster. Uh, headed to the World Cup. So both Gio and Jonathan Dos Santos get called up. And I still think, I know there's people who disagree with me, Kevin. Maybe you disagree with, this, with me as well. I think they're both locks to be on the on the Mexico team. I think they're going to go. You know, I, you may be right, and, and but I, I just don't see it. I mean, if, if Juan Carlos Osorio has spent any time watching the Galaxy team that we've watched, uh, I just don't see how he can take these guys. Now, Gio has all the talent in the world, but... Um, you know, I've seen Osorio a, a down near the locker rooms after games this year, and I know he's talking to the coaching staff, and I know he's he his he's he's attuned to what's going on. Um, I mean, it, Jonathan Gio has missed half the games. He started four out of ten games. Right. Um, and you know the injuries. He picks up a, a a knock in training the other day and can't go on the trip. And his brother has missed. His brother's played, I think, eighty six minutes in the last month. Um, and when you ask people about them, uh, you, you know, the Galaxy are, in some ways, the wagons are beginning to circle, and the Galaxy are trying to limit the damage. And when you do ask Ziggy, who is a straight shooter, an upfront guy, um, he'll tell you when you ask about the Dos Santos brothers, his, his uh, response generally is, Jonathan's a really good player. And it's like, we weren't asking about Jonathan, we were asking about them as a pair or Gio. It's, it's Jonathan is a really good player. And I think the, the fact that he's not talking about Gio at all it kind of speaks volumes. And he did say when Gio left training uh, on Thursday, the day that they flew to Dallas, he said that, uh, that Gio just uh, was feeling a little bit under the weather. They was going to go up, up early and that he would be fine. And he would be in the Dallas game. It turned out he went up to the locker room, decided he wasn't going to Dallas. Apparently it sounded like he might've made that decision before Ziggy even came off the field mm-hmm. and decided he wasn't going to go. I mean, both those brothers, it seems to me, have been really trying to protect their health and everything for the World Cup. Any kind of a niggling little injury comes up, they decide they're not going to play for the Galaxy, the team that's paying them multi-millions of dollars uh, as designated players. They're not going to play for them because they're trying to protect themselves for the World Cup. And and this is where you and I differ because I think Osorio looks at that and says, if the Galaxy are paying this guy upwards of $6 million and they can't depend on him to get on a plane to Dallas, how can I depend on him in Russia, what if he wakes up one morning and decides, you know what, his ankle doesn't feel right. He doesn't want to play for, for Mexico. And the argument would be this is, this is his jam. This is what he lives for, playing for the national team. But, you know, it, it, the guy is not putting out for the Galaxy right now. And, and I'm not in the locker room. I don't know about the injuries. But, but both of you, uh, both of us, you and I have talked to players, and they roll their eyes, and they say, Gio's hurt again. And it seems to me that they're not buying this either. And if his teammates aren't supporting him, um, I just, I'm sorry. I just don't think he deserves to go to the World Cup and play for Mexico. And I think Osorio has to know this. Now, I will say when you look at the team Osorio picked, and he was allowed to pick a 35-man provisional roster today. He did not. I believe he chose 28. Uh, but when you look at the team and putting the Dos Santoses on the provisional roster, I think is very smart because if there's an injury, 
he has two players, Jonathan and, and Gio, who are experienced players who have been around, been with the national team a long time, that he can call up and they can step in and be experienced players. But to be on the 23-man team when Mexico makes those cuts, um, I, I think he has better choices. Now, when you look at the, the roster that Osorio did pick, however, he left Jonathan Gonzalez off and picked Rafa Marquez and put him at midfield instead of Jonathan Gonzalez. And you look at that, and it's clear that he is picking an, an experienced, an older experienced team he doesn't want any youth or any mistakes you know on the biggest stage in soccer and that's why if you're deciding that yes Jonathan Gonzalez is a great player and maybe at this moment in time a better player than Rafa Marquez who's going for his fifth world cup but you pick Rafa you know maybe maybe then you you do say I want guys that I can depend on and if and if that's his decision I just don't know that he can depend on Gio maybe Jonathan's a little bit of a safer bet but um, I'm j- I'm just not seeing anything from these guys that tell me that they're the dependable World Cup players. I, I mean, so here's the pie in the sky. What Galaxy fans are currently hoping for is that uh, Giovanni dos Santos and Jonathan dos Santos both go to the World Cup, have wonderful World Cups, uh, really catch on fire, catch the the hearts and minds of everyone around the world, and get sold immediately upon returning to the LA Galaxy. In fact, they never make it back to Los Angeles, and they're both sold for, you know, however much money the Galaxy can possibly get out of them, and the LA Galaxy go on into the summer transfer window with two open designated player spots, and they're able to try and find that number 10 playmaker that they need, and a probably a defensive designated player signing as well. Um, or maybe you bump uh, a Zlatan up to a designated player contract and you, you bump down, although Zlatan's already agreed to 1.5, I think you keep it there, but hey, whatever. But that's the pie in the sky, and that the Galaxy somehow also figure out a way to jettison Siggy Schmidt and Dominic Kinnear and find a world-class, uh, world-renowned coach who can come in and actually tactically teach this team how to play. And I'm not sure that is even close to, a, you know, a... a, a positive, you know, there's no way that's, none of that's ever happening. I don't see this, this front office doing anything like that, Kevin. And that's the biggest issue is that now you look, the team is in crisis. Um, let's, let's say the LA Galaxy want to get into the playoffs, Kevin. Uh, let's say they're going to try to make it here. They have 24 games remaining. You're going to tell me with 24 games remaining, the LA Galaxy can definitely make the playoffs. And I would. No, I think, I think they're, I think they're really facing a huge, steep uphill climb. No, and they are face, facing a huge steep uphill climb. How, how steep, Pato? <laughs> how steep is the climb? Why don't you tell me? Why don't I? I can because I actually did the math today, and you know how I, I try not to let you do math. So that's yeah. Why. Speaking of me doing math, yeah, that would be a bad thing. So the LA Galaxy. Goals. So so if you go, yeah, if you go, <laughs> exactly. That was what was it? You said seventy-one goals last time. The Galaxy are on pace to allow seventy-one goals. It's on pace to sixty. It's still not yeah, great. But it's, getting, it's getting closer. I'm getting closer, though. I'm getting closer. If you, they keep giving up three a game, they're going to make it. They're going to make it to 70, no problems. All right, so I went back and looked at 2012, and I went back from, from basically from now to 2012, and I looked at the last team able to get into each conference uh, playoffs, right? So I looked at the Eastern Conference, I looked at the Western Conference, and I averaged that those points. So uh, if you go back to 2012, uh, for instance, the Vancouver Whitecaps were the last team in for the playoffs, and they got 43 points, Okay. That means that if you go through the whole thing uh, and you look at the Western Conference, the team, the last team that gets into the playoffs averages 47.8 points, Kevin. So let's say, let's round that up, say 48 points. So the LA Galaxy will need 48 points, being they have 10 points now. They need to collect 38 points 
in 24 games. If you if you do that to points per game, that ends up being 1.58 points per game is what the LA Galaxy need to average just to sneak into the playoffs at the very end. And you say, Josh, that should be easy for the LA Galaxy, except that right now they're at 1.0 points per game. Um, and I believe in 2017, they were at 0.97 points per game, the worst points per game total ever. So the LA Galaxy in 2018 are approaching the worst points per game total ever that the 2017 LA Galaxy put together. So, Kevin, 38 points. If you're going to do that, and like I said, you have to average 1.58 points per game, here is a record that would get the LA Galaxy to 48 points in the next 24 games. All right? How about 10, 10 wins, <laughs> 10 wins, 6 losses, and 8 draws? That seems like that's an awfully competitive team to pick up points in 18 of their 24 games that they have remaining. But that's what this LA Galaxy team has to do. Obviously, you can put more wins in there. Um, you can put less losses. You can put more draws. You can shuffle it, however. But again, a record of 10, 6, and 8 in their last 24 games, which they have remaining, starting with Montreal, they have to average 1.58 points per game in order to squeak into the playoffs by historical averages. Very impressive. But I want to go back to the Geo um, uh, Jonathan thing. Uh, here's, here's what I predict. Your, your prediction of when, oh, what may happen, that they never play in a Galaxy uniform after the World Cup, make them true. My prediction is that if they go to Russia, Galaxy fans watching the World Cup on TV will see uh, Geo twist an ankle or, or, or uh, pull a hamstring or something in the game. They will see him fall to the turf. They will see him writhe in agony in the turf. Then they will see him limp to, uh, struggle to his feet and limp through the rest of the game and score a goal and pick up an assist in a Mexico win. And they, and they, they will see him gut out the game with some intensity that, that uh, would be foreign to him at StubHub Center. The Galaxy fans will throw their shoes through the TV and spend the rest of the summer at Dodger Stadium and not watch any more MLS. That's my prediction. <laughs> That's your pred- I, want, I want to be clear. That's not my prediction that the LA Galaxy are going to do any of those things. In fact, I just don't see any of that happening. Uh, I think Siggy Schmidt still has quite a ways to ride out this season before he's let go. And that's even when the Galaxy are facing, you know, a five-game losing streak if they don't uh, win or draw against Montreal. Uh, Again, I I think the schedule gets easier for them, which should help. But I'm not confident that the Galaxy are better than Montreal. I'm not confident that the Galaxy are better than San Jose right now. And San Jose is not a good, good MLS team. Um, you know, you look at some of the teams that are coming in. I'm just not confident the Galaxy are the better team. And you know, the same thing sort of happened last year with Cardinalfo. Remember, he went on the road, and everybody thought he wasn't going to get any points. In fact, I said he'd get zero points on the road, and they ended up winning like three of uh, three of their four on the road or something like that. It ended up being they had like a six-game unbeaten streak. They did. They did, and, and it started on the road. Um, so, so they did well. So Siggy Schmidt has to find a way to get points and he likes to blame the players for not doing their jobs. And I think that the players are not being put in a position to, uh, to succeed. And I will certainly say that Shelvick, uh, I can't, I can't believe, uh, quite honestly, I can't believe I got it right. Whenever I reported it for the LA times there, Kevin, that he was going to make, could be one of the highest paid defenders in the league. And that's the reports that we were seeing. And so we certainly dug into it a little bit and felt that there was a validity to that, to be able to print that. And I, I honestly, I'm a little stunned that I was a hundred percent correct on it and that he was, he is the highest paid defender in major league soccer. Now, someone, someone wrote in and, and talked a little bit about this, Kevin and said, Hey, 
It's David. Uh, David wrote in, and he, he says, uh, Corner of the Galaxy, Stranger Things is how he titles it. And he goes, Good morning, Pato and Panda. Uh, welcome to the Upside Down. Uh, but I, I'm going to summarize here because he gave me about two pages worth of really interesting stats and, and ways to look at it. And he's saying that we're looking at the galaxy spending more money the wrong way, that the increase in discretionary TAM and the increase in the salary cap over the years has artificially inflated some of these salaries. So seeing that Jorgen is making a million dollars doesn't necessarily mean that it's a million dollars back in the day, right? This isn't three years ago where if a defender was making a million dollars, people would have fallen off their chair, um, you know, outside of Omar Gonzalez, who was a designated player at one time and making a million dollars. But but you look at all these things. He says basically it's, it's, in, it's almost inflationary. Right, because as the amount of discretionary TAM and TAM comes into play, it's effectively increased the salary cap. So guys across the board are going to make more money. He points out, you know, uh, David Bingham as one of those guys. He's not making that much. He says, wait till salaries recycle. Wait till next contracts come in. You know, this next year after this large influx of discretionary money this TAM, and then you'll be able to then adjust and, and adjust for the market and see whether or not people were overpaid. So I, I think it's a reasonable exercise to do in my mind, but at the same time, Jorgen Shelvick's making a million dollars. But a couple of things. First of all, the LA Times soccer writing has not been, has not been the same since you stopped writing for them. There's been no scoops since you, uh, since your Jordan Shelvick contract thing. And yes. the LA times needs to, needs to spend some, they need to spend some money on their soccer writing. They need to bring you back. Um, <laughs> that's the first thing. Second thing is regardless of what Shelvick is making or the inflationary, uh, um, uh, part of the salary argument, if he's making more than any other defender, then he's the highest paid defender, whether he's getting a dollar, a million dollars or a hundred million dollars. So yes, salaries may be going up, but there's no defender making more than him. And you're right. There were other defenders, um, in the past, that made more. Omar Gonzalez, the Galaxy were the first team to make a defender uh, a designated player with Omar Gonzalez. Uh, I think his, he topped out around 1.6 or 1.7 million. And then Liam Ridgewell with Portland was also over a million dollars. There have not been a ton of defenders who made it, uh, more than a million dollars. That money generally has gone to playmaking midfielders and to uh, forwards. And I've talked to a number of general managers about this. And what they basically say is look, if you have only a few bullets in your gun as far as uh, the amount of money, you, you know, big money contracts you can dole out. Um, the guys that bring people into the, into the stadium, you know, those are forwards. Those are the guys that are exciting. Those are the guys that set the, the tone of your play. Um, and, and by and large, those are the foreign players. Those are the players that, that come from other leagues, and so they need the, the DP contracts or the TAM money contracts to come in. Defenders, these general managers have told me, is – that's an American position. That's you know that's that's where American players excel. And in MLSs, you you can do the salary numbers uh, and break it down any way you want. But American players wind up making less, uh, by and large, than the foreign players, and they do tend to be defenders. MLS teams, if you do positional breakdown, spend way more on forwards and attacking midfielders than they do on any other position. So, um, the fact that a, a defender is making a million dollars, even with the salary inflation. Um, it still says something. It still right. says that he's the highest paid defender, and he's not. He's not certainly not playing that way. Yeah, and the Galaxy spend the most money on defense in the league, in the league by actually a pretty good amount, Kevin. 
And they, yet they're playing center backs at right back. They're, they're, they're completely unhinged on defense. And you talk about it being an American position, and the starting lineup, if Daniel Stairs isn't there and Rolf Felcher is there for the LA Galaxy, there is an American to be, fi- be found back there on defense. Um, so, yeah, I, it's just it seems like things are backwards for the Galaxy. They spend all this money. They influx. Listen, they did the right thing in terms of going out and trying to address these specific situations, Kevin. We knew they had a problem at center back, so they got an answer for that with Shelvick. We knew they had a problem at right back, they, so they bring in you know, Clementa as the backup to Rolf Felcher. So you look at it, and on paper, you're like, they did the right things. They just did it with the wrong players. At least that's, that's what the, the conclusion is right now because the Galaxy can't get the results out of their defense. And because of that, uh, they're spiraling. It is a death spiral right now uh just spinning slowly around and around as they get as the ground increases uh they're like a plane just spinning out of control and pretty soon they're either gonna have to pull the parachute and eject out of there or they're gonna have to ride it into a fireball into hell all right that's that's what's gonna happen (laughs) (laughs) you're a little pessimistic today um you know the the lineup coming out, the roster in the lineup coming out of camp, I think we were all pretty po- feeling pretty positive. Uh, everyone was pretty optimistic. It looked like the team was gelling. It looked like the formation was going to work. You know, Perry Kitchen played very well in the preseason. looked like he was going to be a real dominant uh, holding midfielder. Um, and so the Gal- we saw the same thing, I think, that the Galaxy technical staff saw. That this was a well – it appeared at the time to be a well-constructed team. There appeared to be depth. Um, everything appeared to be heading in the right direction. Whether they got discombobulated with all the early injuries and injuries to key people or people that were anticipated to be key people, and we're talking about Gio in the second game, Roman Alisson in the first game, Sebastian Legette coming along a little bit slow, uh, Ola Kamara having a little bit of trouble getting on the same page with some of those guys, and then all of a sudden when they start to come close to figuring things out, then you drop Zlatan right in the middle of all that, and then everything goes haywire. The point is not that the Galaxy did a poor job in the offseason. I think my criticism would be, okay, once we're five and, and six and seven games into this thing and you see that things are not working, um, there seemed to be no move to address it. I don't see them. Uh, I, I just don't see the Galaxy doing anything. It's just like, like they're going to c- try to play out the string. Um, and I, I think maybe your pessimism is a little bit overstated. I mean, they still have nice-looking uniforms, right? I mean, maybe the Herbalife thing is a little bit much, but the, the <laughs> uniforms still look nice. They look, they're they a handsome bunch of players. I mean, you know, it's not all bad. It's not all bad. No, I mean, it's not all bad. And it's just, I don't know what's more frustrating than if you look at 2017 and the talent that was on that team and you're like, they just don't have the talent to perform. And then in 2018, you look at the talent they have, and they you, you look at it and say, FC Dallas doesn't have the same talent as the Galaxy do, and FC Dallas dominated the Galaxy. So wh- who else am I going to blame? How else can I look at this outside of the fact that the coaching staff in the front office hasn't done a good job in order to make this happen, and how do you correct that? I mean, you talked about it. It doesn't seem like there's changes. The Galaxy had a chance, I believe, a realistic chance to bring somebody in at defense, at right back when Rolf Felcher got hurt. Um, I think they chose not to. I think they chose to wait. And I think them choosing to do that is going to cost them some serious issues. You can see why they'd want to do that. You could say, hey, we got Clementa. That's why we brought this guy in. Let's uh, trot him out there. But then when the- you turn around and you say, okay, we're going to wait because we got Clementa, but we're going to play Dave Robney and Daniel Steris there instead, that kind of uh, exposes that whole thing as a lie. And, 
And you know that I'm a huge, huge Bruce Arena guy. I, right. I, I love Bruce. I'm not part of the, the people that jumped on the bandwagon to criticize him during World Cup qualifying. Maybe he deserved it, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm a loyal Bruce guy. And I think if anyone comes out looking good in, in the last year and a half of disaster at StubHub Center, it's Bruce Arena because it, it, it almost looks like he's the only guy that has the combination to the lock. He's the only guy that can figure this out. And, and you know, I mean, that can't be true because they, they won under Ziggy before, and, uh, you know, they at, at some point they do have to cut the umbilical cord and move on, but that's a good, a, as good an explanation as anything, that Bruce Arena is the guy that kept the trains running on time all these years, and without Bruce, the, the, the whole organization, not just the, the team, the whole organization just seems rudderless. I, uh, I had a busy weekend. This is going to involve a story talking about Bruce Arena, but I, I need to get through the busy weekend parts so that we understand how this sort of took place. But I had a busy weekend. Uh, my brother-in-law was graduating from law school, so there was there was festivities around that on Friday night and then Saturday morning and barely got back from the ceremony in order to watch the Galaxy play and then had to go back to, you know, a uh, a, 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 a party that was happening on Saturday night. So there was lots of stuff. So I didn't really get a chance to watch my phone and get text messages and answer people and all sorts of things like that. So whenever I woke up on Sunday, I had three text messages um, from people around the league, formerly of the league, you know, playing in the league now, all those things. And two of them said, so when do you think Bruce Arena is going to come back and be the general manager for the LA Galaxy? Because they need somebody to save them, was basically the, the gist of two of these conversations from people uh, either currently involved with MLS or outside of MLS. That is what those people are thinking. All right? I don't, I don't discount that. I, I think that the, if you're the Galaxy, you want to clean the slate and you want to go somewhere else because otherwise it's just Bruce Arena is always the savior. But I'll be honest, if Bruce Arena can be a life preserver for you, Kevin, and he can get you into the playoffs and he can he can make this team competitive and make the hard decisions that, you know, for whatever reason, I don't know. Does Siggy Schmidt, Schmidt need to sit Ola Kamara or Zlatan Ibrahimovic? Then he needs to figure it out and needs to do it. Does this team have to play in a 4-2-3-1 in order to be better? And is it better with Ola Kamara on the bench? The answer is no, because he scored three goals in the last three games. But hey, those are the decisions that you have to make, and those are the ones that are going to save your job. So I think if you're going to watch Siggy Schmidt, if you want to know whether or not the heat is on, which I'm telling you, I feel like the heat is on, Kevin. I feel like there's pressure there on Siggy Schmidt right now that he has to start winning games because the Galaxy cannot suffer another season like they did last year, especially not with their noisy neighbors sitting up there second in the Western Conference right now. They can't do it. They will become irrelevant if they do. If 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 they don't save this team somehow this year, they have bigger issues than just losing this year. Well, let me let me continue a conversation we kind of started last week. I, I had a chance to spend some time with Bruce Arena uh, earlier this month. Um, he went out of his way to make the point, and and so I need to be fair to him. He is not in any way politicking. He didn't. He deflected uh, all conversation about the galaxy. Um, he does not want to be seen as someone who is pushing for any kind of a job over there because there are people in those jobs already. However. Um, just knowing Bruce, I would say a couple of things. One is he loves to be considered the savior. Um, that's just kind of part of his DNA, and that's not really a criticism on him. Who, who among us would not like to be considered the guy that could kind of ride to the rescue and be, you know, be the the guy leading the posse and, and coming to town and save everybody? So, and Bruce has done it a number of times. He did it with the Galaxy in 2008. That was a horrible team. He came in in 2009. They were the MLS Cup final. 
Um, he did it with the national team. Yes, they, they did not qualify by one, by one goal, essentially, is the way it worked out. Um, but they were 0-2 when he took over, and he only had eight games to get them in, and he came very close. Um, did, did he do it? No, and he takes the blame for that. But my point is, he took that job thinking that he was going to be the savior. Looking at the Galaxy now, a team that he gave his heart and soul to for a long time and seeing how they're playing, uh, I think that if they were to call him, I think that, that he would consider himself being the savior again, and I think that would be very appealing to him. He is not that old. He's in his mid-60s. I think he feels like he has a lot left to give. Um, uh, I do feel like he probably feels like there are certain doors that are closed to him now because of the way the World Cup qualifying thing ended. If he, if he had pulled that off, he could write his own ticket. He can't do that now. So the, the number of places he can go uh, that would be appealing to him may be limited. Um, so maybe the Galaxy, it, it, the Galaxy would be appealing to him in a lot of ways. And, and again, this is not Bruce talking. He's not commenting at all on this. This is me just uh, from outside looking at it. The one caution that I would have, though, is some of the people in the positions uh, where he would have influence are not going to be able to work with Bruce. Um, I, I don't think Ziggy could coach under Bruce. Um, I don't know that the front office would stay the same um, if Bruce were to come in. Certainly, if people didn't change their positions, they would certainly lose a lot of power. So it wouldn't be a smooth transition. I don't think it would be Bruce coming in by himself. Um, so you have to look at what other moves would there to be. I, I don't know if Dominic Kinnear can necessarily work under Bruce. I mean, Bruce is a huge personality. It would have to be somebody that would be subservient to what Bruce wanted, and that, that's why I say Ziggy wouldn't work out. Um, how about this? What if Kenny Arena, who's an assistant with LAFC, what if Kenny Arena comes across town and becomes the head coach at the Galaxy working under his father? Now, I think that's a combination that would work. Um, so those are the kind of moves I think that you would have to, to see. And I, so if Bruce were to come in this year, and again, we're just speculating, if Bruce were to come in this year, I think at that point you'd say, we're writing this season off, we're going to start retrenching and preparing for next year because I think there would be a number of other shoes that would have to drop to make that work. Oh, it's all interesting stuff. Yeah, I just I don't think the Bruce thing is going to happen. I, I Again, I, I listen to people. I listen to you, Kevin. You make good points. I'm not saying you don't. I just, in my mind, I feel like there would have to be a lot of front office changes in order for that to happen again because I feel like Bruce left for a reason when he left uh, and was ready to leave when he left. And I feel like Bruce Arena thinks that perhaps the Galaxy organization didn't treat his people and the people that he left uh, sort of in charge there very well. I mean, you can go back to Dave Sarakin who got basically dismissed before, or wasn't dismissed, but uh, let's just say they knew he was going to leave after what they offered him, but you look at Dave Sarakin leaving before Bruce Arena basically left. Um, you look at these these other sort of things in there with uh, with how maybe Cardinalfo was dismissed again. Again, that was a Bruce guy who was sort of pegged from the USL ranks there and who came over, who worked under Bruce, who, who developed some academy under Bruce. And they got pushed forward to be that sort of uh, to be that head coach, and that was certainly done with Bruce's blessing. So I think there's too many bridges burned for the current front office to still be in place whenever that happens. And if that happens, if Bruce Arena ever gets started to be linked with this, Kevin, I feel like it would be an AEG move and not necessarily an LA Galaxy front office move. That's, that's yeah, I, I think I think Anschutz could could make that happen, and and you know a lot of what you said is, is correct, but. Remember, Sunil Gulati is the guy that not only fired Bruce from the national team the first time in 2006, but also um, made Bruce stay on and live out his contract. He had an offer to go coach in Sweden. He would have been the first American to coach 
uh, a top-level European team. He had an offer to go to Sweden after he had already been fired from the national team. And Sunil Gulati was the one who said, no, you cannot get out of your contract. You are not going to coach the national team anymore, but you need to stay in the United States and uh, open mail at the U.S. soccer offices until your contract is up. You cannot go to Sweden. That cost Bruce Arena that job. And there were, I think there were hard feelings for quite some time, yet when 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 the bat signal went up and the U.S. soccer team needed a new coach, um, you know, Bruce signed a contract put in front of him by Sunil Gulati. So, um, again, you, you know, you bring up the good points as well. Um, but uh, if if the terms were to Bruce's liking, I, I think he would swallow hard and say, I'm going to go back to the galaxy, kind of st- stab me in the back. But but maybe he looks at it also, he would look at it as his revenge. Hey, if the galaxy treated me and my people bad the first time, now I'm getting them to hire my son to be the head coach. Um, how about that? I win. Yeah, yeah. No, I. Hey, I get it. It makes some sense. Have you been reading Bruce Arena's book again? Is that is that where you're getting all this good information? No, actually, I, I had a, a, a long talk with Bruce, and then just just being around Bruce. The one thing is, I make a lot of mistakes with, with Ziggy. I, I listen to what he says, and then I try to interpret the words because Ziggy is not going to come out and say, "Hey, here's my lineup, and here's the guys who are hurt, and here's how I feel about this." So you need to listen to the words he said. Again, Ziggy is a very honest guy. He's a straight shooter. He will not tell you what his lineup is, but he will answer questions, and then it's up to you to piece it together. And that's what a good reporter does. And because I've worked with good reporters, I am not one, but I know some. <laughs> and so I, you try to piece it together. By the end, I got to speak fluent Bruce, which was great for me when he came to the national team because he would say something that no one else would understand, and I would get exactly what he was saying. Um, I'm not that way with Ziggy yet. I'm not even close with Bob Bradley across town. Um, so I, I did become sort of the, the Bruce whisperer. I could understand what he's saying. And so when I talk to him, uh, I hear the words he's saying, but uh, I can also look at that and say, huh, there may be a little bit more to this than just the nouns, verbs, and adjectives that he's put together in that sentence. Yeah, very, very good. All right, let's get to some calls now. We have a ton of them, and it's going to take us a while to to get all the way through them. Uh, we also have another email and a, and a tweet as well. So let's uh, let's start with Hector in Riverside. We'll play his two calls back-to-back, Kevin, because uh, quite honestly, they, did, they deserve to be played back-to-back. So here is Hector from Riverside. Hey, COG, this is Hector from Riverside. Um, can we fire Siggy the Clown already? I'll give him an uh, annual pass to hometown buffet. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, call number one, call number two. ACOG, it's Hector from Riverside again. I have an idea. If we were to put uh, Siggy as our new goalkeeper, I guarantee you the opponent will never score a goal on us again. Thank you. Bye-bye. See, Kevin, already I'm starting to sense a theme that people are not exactly thrilled with Siggy Schmidt. I, I don't know. It could, no, but, yeah. but, but, but as a fluffy person myself, um, the, the, the anti-fat humor is disturbing to me. Yes. Is it, is it, started, is, is it getting under your skin? Yeah, well, there's a lot under my skin, but yeah, it's forcing its way in there as well. I, I understand. All right, uh, so Hector gets his uh, his shout out there. Let's go to uh, Brian in Honolulu, who, ha- who has always has a well thought out uh, argument here for uh, for the game that he saw. So here's Brian in Honolulu, the island that's not currently erupting, by the way. Just FYI, I don't know how good everybody is on their Hawaii like geography, but he's, he's he should be okay. So here we go, Brian in Honolulu. Hey Josh, it's Brian in Honolulu. There is absolutely no evidence to support the statement that we are the greatest team in Major League Soccer. We're 12th in goals scored, 20th in goals allowed, 16 in passing percentage, 17 in shots on goal, and 17th in possession. We lead MLS in only two categories, 
tied for first in most consecutive losses, where a loss to Montreal places us in first without competition, and we're second in spinning, and spend more than the last two teams that beat us combined. If the four teams below us in a conference end up winning their next matches, we're bottom of the barrel. None of this is the fault of the fans, but we are without a doubt fans of the current worst period teams period this season period. So when fans defend this galaxy with five cups in a league where anybody can allegedly beat anybody and then say we're the greatest team in MLS, I don't know what the deuce they're talking about. Yosemite, but we sure used to be. We had a passion and we stood for winning ways. We played well, we played with heart, and we won. We aspired to work as a team, not criticize it from within. LA Galaxy is not the greatest MLS team anymore, but we could be. All right, there's Brian in Honolulu. See, Kevin, he's just dropping it down. So, uh, I mean, he's got a point. There's there's not a lot that's great on this LA Galaxy team, and it's tough to say great about anything right now. Well, I don't know. That call was a little wishy-washy. I wasn't quite sure what side of the, the uh, divide he was coming down on. <laughs> yeah, he was he was just sitting right on that fence for you. Was that it? The same with Hector. Yeah, you know, make up your mind. On the other hand. Yeah. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. No, but, I mean, you know, this is, again, you can feel the frustration. Here it is. Here's what it is with fans, right, is that there's, there's this understanding the team that you're watching is horrible. Uh, they're breaking your heart in every possible conceivable way, but you still love them. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. Is you st- you could still be good. Like it's okay if you just start winning. I'll forgive everything. You know, winning cures everything. Uh, we said last year, Kevin, you and I talked about it. That we said that we wouldn't have had the information that we got on a regular basis if the LA Galaxy would have been a good team, because good teams don't talk as much as bad teams, right? And so I feel like. This is that the same situation right now. I'm hearing lots of negative things. I'm hearing, you know, a, some discontent within the players. You can hear it in the way that they're talking in post-game press conferences and everything else. So I feel like this team, if they start winning, will be uh, won't, we won't be hearing as much from them. Let's put it that way. Well, and the thing was last year there were some. I don't. I don't even know how to characterize. I don't want to say bad, uh, uncharacter guys, guys who didn't have much character. There were those kind of guys in that locker room last year, and it was easy for it to go south. Um, for the most part, I think this is a different team. I it think is. most of these guys are stand-up guys. And so it's not – you're right. There, there are some um, unhappy people. I don't see as much finger-pointing. I don't see it dissolving as bitterly and as quickly. Uh, last year was a, was a huge training wreck. It was a race into the fire. Yes. Um, it was really bad. I don't see that this year. What I, see, uh, what I feel more is a, a lot of frustration and a lot of players seeing the same thing that you're say, seeing as, why are we doing this? This doesn't make any sense. And just that kind of frustration, uh, as opposed to last year, it was a lot of, why don't you do your job? Why don't you shut up and do your job? And and I don't see that finger pointing, but I do sense the frustration is is beginning to reach the levels of last year. Hey, it feels like it. Let's go to uh, David in Sacramento. Here's David. Hey, Josh. AK Bax. It's David from Sacramento. Um, just got done. Well, actually, not just got done, but watched the uh, game against SC Dallas, and obviously incredibly disappointed with the defense and the offense. Should have had chances late on the game, but overall, big bigger picture when it comes to this team. There's such a massive dysfunction coming from even Dan Beckerman all the way down to the front office because, you know, when you look at the numbers for the defense, who in their right mind, well, now we look at it, who in their right mind is going to pay Jorgen Sheldeck, uh $1 million to make him the highest-paid defender of the league. You know, the front office clearly doesn't have it. They Their scouting is has gone awry. And 
you know, the fact that you reward, as, you know, Kevin mentions, you reward, you know, the worst season in the MLS in our, in our club's history with a five-year extension for our president now trickling down for, to our scouting where our guys are paying overpaying for really bad defenders and a really bad defense all the way down to our coaching who's playing a solid center back at right back against a team with very pacey wingers. I just, there's a ton of dysfunction in the team. It's driving me mad. And I'm full blown Siggy out. And to be honest, I'm, I'm full blown Klein out at this point too. I've just seen, I've just, I've just had enough. I've seen way too much and way too much dysfunction. And I'm just sick of it. It's honestly driving me nuts. Anyway, thanks guys. I'll talk to you later. All right, Kevin, there it is. The, uh, the flip side of the coin, of course, from David in Sacramento is that it's about the, uh, it's about the front office as well. It's about Chris Klein, five-year contract extension, as, of course, you reported. Um, we've still never seen an official uh, press release on that, and I wonder why. Um, well, yeah, the Galaxy really pushed back when I called them for confirmation on that story during the winter. Um, they, they, they never denied it, but they tried to get me to hold it as long as possible because they wanted to have a big press function to introduce Chris Klein and his new contract. Uh, I went ahead and reported it. Um, fans reacted the way that caller just reacted, and the Galaxy never did hold its press conference. So um, th- that shows, that I, I guess, my takeaway from that was they were a little embarrassed that the news got out. Um, uh, and and, and then when they saw the fans' reaction, they decided it wouldn't be something they wanted to celebrate. But since the salaries just came out, and people are talking about the salaries, um, I think we can all agree that, that Gio is vastly overpaid. Um, I'm not ready to put Jonathan in there quite yet, although he's getting close. If he needs to be on the field to earn that money. I think probably Alessandrini, based on what he did last year and the potential, uh, don't have a huge problem with his money right right now. I think Zlatan's a bargain. Uh, there's three syllables again. Zlatan is a bargain at 1.5. <laughs> um, and I, uh, uh, Ola Kamara being a uh, a – you know, a full uh, a full field player playing defense and, and offense, scoring in three straight games. He's earning his money, even with the Rays. Who else do you think? You, it, with, you know, Shelvick, I think everyone's decided is overpaid. Who do you? Who else on this roster that you look at and you look at their salaries, do you think um, uh, is earning their money or maybe even underpaid a little bit? Um, hmm. I didn't balk at Perry Kitchen's number. Um, I didn't balk at... Even Rolf Felcher's number at 270, I know there's some people who, who think that maybe that's too much. Um, I think people think that David Bingham is overpaid, and I think we went over it on our Thursday show. He's like middle of the pack for MLS goalkeepers, so I'm certainly not going to think that that's one of those that, that is overpaid. But to be honest with you, I don't feel like the Galaxy have players outside of Ola Kamara, right? We talk about Ola Kamara making almost a million dollars a year. And I so far have think that he may be underpaid for what he's doing for the Galaxy right now. I, I would put as far as especially as far as base salary is concerned. I don't know where the other almost half a million come from, but Ashley Cole's base salary, I think he's earning uh, his keep. Uh, I think probably Sebastian Legette, the only U.S. national team candidate on the roster, is probably uh, um, worth what he's getting paid as well. Yeah, it's two fifty two there. Uh, you know, Felcher again, Kitchen at four seventy four. I know people might buy if he's going to just be asked to be a defensive midfielder and not have to do other things. I think that that's a that could be a great bargain for him. Um, Dave Romney's underpaid. I'll tell you that right now. He plays a whole bunch of different positions, ends up playing a ton of minutes every year, and he's making seventy five thousand dollars a year. That yeah, that to definitely. me definitely. And 
yeah. And, and you know, I he had a bad game, and I was as harsh on Daniel Starris as, as anybody. But I don't think Daniel Starris is overpaid. I think he's probably underpaid a little bit. I think Siani's probably overpaid. I'd put yes, him in there by by a ton of money. By but you know, here's the problem: is that Siani was supposed to be the answer to Yella Van Dam, right? He's supposed to be the direct replacement. I mean, they had the same salaries; everything was almost the same, and he is none of that. And so the Galaxy, and I don't know how much Siggy Schmidt had had to say on that contract. That felt like that contract was done well before Siggy Schmidt got brought in. But the Galaxy having to pay $620,000 back there to Michael Ciani to play center back rather poorly um, is a huge loss of money because you could be paying other guys that money you know, easily and be getting the same production. So you could, you could save yourself some money and get the same production out of a player. Well, and here's where that American prejudice comes in, and believe me, it is it is rife in MLS. Uh, a guy like Siani, a guy with some size, with a pedigree, with a resume, played uh, you know in top leagues in in Europe, and he's European. All of a sudden, just like when we listen to our soccer commentators, if you turn on a soccer broadcast and the guy has an accent right away, you assume that he knows more about soccer than anybody else does. Um, and and th- you, we all have to admit that we that we fall into that. It's wrong, but it happens. And I say that only to talk about the, the what we talked about earlier: the prejudice. Americans are defenders; they have nowhere to go. We can underpay them. So you have a guy like Dave Romney who plays all four positions on the back. You, he may not be, uh, you know, an all MLS defender, but he is a very useful guy. He plays. He does a good job when he goes in there, and I'm going to put Steris. Uh, he was out of position on this game, not really his fault. I'm going to put Steris in there too, a guy that goes out there, plays wherever he's asked to play, doesn't make a lot of noise, does a pretty good job. These guys getting paid, um, you know, you know, almost bargain basement prices, and then a guy with Alexiani comes in and gets the big contract, and I think it has a lot to do with where he comes from and and some of the team names on his resume. Whereas if you want to just go by who's more valuable to the team, I think Romney, if someone's going to get paid $600,000 to play defense and you got your choice between Romney and Siani, doesn't it have to go to Romney just for the versatility if nothing else? I'm, I'm not paying Dave Romney 620000 but he does deserve but, more money. I agree with you. You're right. If you're, if, I know what you're trying to do with the exercise. I just I don't want somebody to go out there and say, Josh says that Romney should get $620,000. That's not No, that's not it. But you're right because tell me – in your heart of hearts, Kevin, that Michael Ciani is a better defender, a better center back than Daniel Starez is. Is he? Do you think he's a little bit better? How much better is Michael Ciani? I, I honestly, I could flip a coin with either of those two. I don't have a preference. They're equal to me, and Ciani's making $620,000, and Daniel Starez making $132,000. Now, either Daniel Starez is way underpaid at center back, or Michael Ciani is way overpaid, or it's a combination of the both, and they should be somewhere in the middle. You know what? I would gladly give. I, I like Dave Romney a lot as a person. I would gladly give Dave Romney six hundred thousand because it's not my money. It's 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 <laughs> Beckerman's money and and Anschutz's money, and I would gladly give that to him. Now, and Pato in the morning. There you go. I just wanted to throw that I'm in there. I'm not one more saying time. he's worth it. I'm just saying I like Dave. He he needs the money for Green's fees. We both know that. So why not? That's that's so I just again, I want everybody to be aware that that Kevin said that, not me. I don't want to get the hate mail from it. All right. So that's fine. No, but I know what you're saying. It's I know the point. The point is there. It's a good point. All right. We got to continue with these calls. Otherwise, this is going to be a seven hour show. Uh, Let's see. Johnny from Pacific Palisades has an interesting little take on the L.A. Galaxy right now after doing a little uh, field trip over to the noisy neighbors, as you say. So here's Johnny. 
Uh, hey, Josh, it's um, Johnny from the Palisades. Uh, yeah, I wanted to phone in. I went last night to the LAFC Minnesota game, and uh, I was really impressed. I mean, that, they're playing fast, aggressive, attacking football. It's an amazing stadium, pretty much full up with a sort of urban, diverse, young crowd. Um, really downtown, just amazing. I, I really think we have got bigger problems than you and Panda sort of talk to. I, 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 I just think our players can't gel. Our DPs are pretty useless. Uh, coaches are washed out. You know, the front office, I think, is lost. I don't think the owners really, really know what they're doing, really have a vision. So I'm really depressed about the whole thing. And, um, you know, I don't know if that's a question, but... Uh, I think you guys are doing a great job. I think you're trying to be optimistic, but I, I think this gets worse before it gets better. Bottom of the league last season, you know, but for Zlatan's miracle on the derby, uh, we'd be pretty much there now. Um, I just can't see how this turns around. And with big competition in town, I think people drift. I drifted last night. Anyway, there we go. So, so Johnny's Johnny's a drifter, Kevin. He's a drifter. But, but but wait, you know what? That was a great call. Did you hear that accent? That guy knows soccer. <laughs> he knows he knows way more wait, than wait. No, Johnny's great. I you know, I always for some reason he's always able to and maybe it is, maybe it's totally the accent. He's always able to put things into perspective a little bit better. And I don't think we've been overly optimistic the last couple of weeks. Um, I think I've been downright pessimistic. Not, not tonight. You're a, you're on the you're on suicide watch. You know it's mon- it's Monday, Kevin. Mondays aren't aren't great days. I think maybe we should move the podcast from not Monday, so I could be in a happier mood sometimes. But yeah, I mean, listen, this LA Galaxy team. I, I I've said it. I'll say it again. They're not good, and they're not going to be good. And I have serious doubts they're able to beat a horrible team like Montreal. Uh, next week on Monday, which is funny, Kevin. You and I are going to actually do a podcast the same day as the game. Because it's next Monday, and they play on Monday in Montreal. And when it's over, we'll have to write our recaps and do all And then we'll immediately be talking about it. So it'll be fresh in everyone's mind. That should be fun. That should be a good time. All right. Well, I, I will say, I know that, that that you have issued the ban that I'm a lot, not allowed to talk about the noisy neighbors on the show. But um, anyone who, both people who read the LA Times will know that I go to all their games and their training sessions, too. And uh, I will say that I agree with Johnny on a lot of things he said in comparing the two teams you definitely do feel like uh, you're uh, almost covered in a different league when you go across the uh, across the city and, and watch LAFC train and talk to their players and coaches after games. Yeah, there's uh, there's certainly something there. I'll tell you, I mean, just at a, a personal note, is that whenever I found out Giovanni Dos Santos was not traveling with the LA Galaxy, uh, I notified the LA Galaxy and asked them if they had a comment uh, to to allow me to to you know, report it. Basically, I'm looking for confirmation that there's an injury. Um, And nobody, and I mean nobody, spoke to me until today, Monday. All right? So that's the type of information they're happy to share with all of you. I think that's ridiculous, quite honestly. I think it's pretty easy to answer something whenever I already know the answer. I didn't ask them a question. I asked them if they had comments on it once I found out that that's what it was. So, I mean, that's that's just a difference right there. I don't like that. Um, I don't like that the Galaxy... Uh, you know, are are trying to to limit the information that gets out there because it's bad news. Um, guess what? It's bad news. It's going to be bad news regardless. All right. So you know, whenever we're not getting comments and not getting responses, um, it just it seems petty. And I'll certainly say somebody asked me, um, 
I had put out the uh, by the numbers, which obviously goes over all of the uh, playoff stuff that I said here on the show, and maybe a little more detail. So if you want to check it out on cornerofthegalaxy.com, you can. Somebody uh, said, uh, hey, Josh, does the front office ever read this stuff? And I said, no. I go, they don't. I would imagine they have better things to do. I go, but, you know, we do get snippy comments on a regular basis about the podcast. Uh, especially when you and I are talking, Kevin, we get snippy comments all the time about how we're just negative people, how we just want to, you know, uh, you know, crap on the galaxy constantly. And I don't know how that could possibly be further from the truth. But what we are going to tell you is that what the truth is, which is the galaxy aren't a good team. They haven't been a good team. And there's been a lot of mistakes that have been made over the last two or three seasons that have led to this point. And so far, AEG has sort of ha- kept their eyes closed at the whole thing. That's, that's how it well, feels and, to me. I want to add something to the end of that real quickly. I, I don't mean to make this a seven-hour show, but um, you talked about how the Galaxy did not get back to uh, res- you, know, a media person uh, calling with, a, with information about a, a key player before a big game. Um, you know, just if nothing else, if they don't want to confirm the bad news, just to stop you perhaps from printing an untruth, which would seem to be the, the basic bottom-line thing that a PR staff would want to do, don't allow the bad – don't allow uh, – it's not whether it's good news or bad news. It's incorrect news. Don't allow the incorrect news to get out there. And you were trying to confirm something. Um, when I came back to L.A. after covering the, now the Miami Marlins, the Florida Marlins, and I started covering the Dodgers, uh, I would go to people in the Dodger organization and say, oh, I know you're not supposed to talk about this, or I know you know, we're not allowed to ask you about this. And they would routinely say, what are you talking about? We'll answer all your questions, whatever you want to know. And then I realized it was the Marlins that were the problem, not the Dodgers, that the Marlins were the ones that weren't being forthcoming and weren't sharing uh, you know, answers to questions. And then I realized that I had the one team that I had, that was the outlier. It wasn't the Dodgers. The Marlins were the problem. And I say that because... I, when I went to LAFC practice the other day and asked John Thorrington about the salaries, I had talked to Chris Klein about the salaries the day before. And Chris Klein was, you know, those are inaccurate, and we don't talk about those, and we're not going to mention those. And whatever figures you get, ha, 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 you know, you, you rate those if you want, but we're not going to talk about that. And so I went to John Thorrington. I thought that was an MLS policy. The, you know, um, it, Chris Klein was so uh, cocksure about himself and not talking about the salaries. I went to John Thorrington, and I said, um, you know, I want to ask you about these salaries, but I know you're not allowed to talk about them. He goes, why not? We can talk about them. Well, I'm told that they're inaccurate. They're not an- inaccurate. We can talk about those all you want. And then I realized that I had drank the Kool-Aid at the Galaxy. That it's, uh, the idea of trying to, to, to prevent reporters from getting information was not an MLS policy. It appears to be a Galaxy policy. And, uh, and so now when I go to LAFC, LAFC, I have to remember that I'm at a different team and that these people will actually uh, treat me professionally. And it, 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 there is a difference. There, there is a difference. I will, I will say that it's uh, increasingly difficult to, uh, to report things. And, hey, again, I, I just want to be truthful about things. I don't want to get things wrong. I don't want to do things. If, it, if it's bad news, then that's just, hey, unfortunately, the truth sucks sometimes. What do you want me to do? Um, there's, there's not much. Can you imagine? Imagine if Kevin and I were sitting here over the last two, uh, last season and, you know, a third that we've gone through and telling you that everything was fine the whole time, that there were no issues with the LA Galaxy, that they're perfect. You got, you get, nobody would listen anymore. That's not how it works. Yeah, it's like Baghdad Bob. I mean, you know, we're, we're supposed to just report the happy news. There would be a lot of, if we're only allowed to report the happy news, there wouldn't be a lot of reporting coming out of the Galaxy land. And it's funny, when you go back to the good years, to the MLS Cup years, I do remember distinctly having a conversation 
with Chris Klein during those years where he told me, we want you to hold our feet to the fire. We, we enjoy reading the criticism because it teaches us how to get better. Wow, whatever happened to that? Now, uh, you know, it's like, oh, the score was five to nothing. Why did you have to report the score correctly? We, you know, we didn't lose that poorly. Yes, you did. Now, all of a sudden, it's gone from don't say anything bad because you're hurting our feelings. Ah, uh, yes. Fun time. See, if you ever wanted to start a podcast, really get into sports pro- podcasting and reporting, this is this is the fun you get to deal with. All right, let's let's uh, let's continue. Here's uh, Josh in uh, Redondo Beach slash Salt Lake City. Hey, Josh. Uh, this is also Josh calling from Redondo Beach, or Salt Lake City, as you know me. Um, uh, I, You know, it's, it definitely sucks, you know. This is, what, the fifth consecutive loss we've had. And um, it's just, you know, they have it in them, you know. We saw the last well, five, ten minutes, and for the moment they scored the second goal with Ima Boateng coming in and scoring that goal off an assist from Ashley. You know, it definitely showed that they had it in them. I don't know if it was the fact that Dallas went down to ten men or what it was, but it was very evident that this team has the talent, has the chemistry, has the ability, and somehow they just can't finish. They can't score. They can't play the same way they played. In the last five minutes for all six, all 90 minutes of a full game. Um, so I just want to know what your thoughts were on that opinion, and you know, hope to hear from you soon. This is Josh. Love you guys. Love the show. Have a good one. Bye. All right, there's uh, Josh. See, there's that negative fake news again. They lost <laughs> five in a row. They've only lost four well, in a row. No, only four. It's it's not five yet. Wait till after they play Montreal, and we'll see how it goes. No, I mean. Maybe he called from the future. He could, he could, he definitely did. That's what happened. Um, no, I mean, yeah, listen, I think that he has some points that there's intensity. Listen, the bottom line is that the Galaxy are able to scramble and claw back whenever they're, they're, uh, whenever their backs are up against the wall, but they, apparently they don't feel that same sense of urgency whenever the score is 0 0. Or, you know, the bottom line is whenever you throw a whole bunch of offensive power forward, you can get results out of it. The Galaxy have the talent, Kevin. Um, for me, it's just the ability to use that talent in a productive way, and I have not seen that happen. And that's been the the biggest issue that I've seen with the Galaxy so far this year. It's just there's there's no there there. There's no construct. There's no construct that these guys are working towards. That they seem to be on the same plan, pointed in the same direction, all pulling on the same end of the rope. It seems like they're all pulling in different directions, and things are going crazy. And I, I don't know. I, I'm sure you can blame the players, and you can look at it again with the designated players, the amount of minutes they've played, and that certainly has had an impact. But at the same time, it seems like it's a, it's a Rubik's Cube without, a, without an answer right now. Yeah, and, and one of the things about having a plan going in is then when, when you have to go away from that plan, everybody kind of knows uh, the philosophy and the theory going in. You're able to make changes on the fly. When no one's really quite sure what's going on, um, that falls apart. And you could say, well, you know, there's been a lot of injuries, and there has been. But when you decide you're taking one player out and putting another player in, especially if it's in the starting lineup, then you adjust your strategy, you explain that strategy, and the players go on the field with a little bit of confidence, and, and you sell the strategy to them. You need to sell them on the strategy. Um, I remember talking to Ola Kamara not too long ago when they went to the 4-4-2, and, people were, and you know, some people were uh, wondering whether it was going to work, and Ola Kamara said, We've never, we didn't play this all preseason camp. You know, we haven't tried this before. But, he said, Everyone's played 4-4-2 before. It's a basic formation. We'll make it work. Um, you have to sell the players on the idea that this is a good idea and, and, and that they can succeed doing it. And you have to put them in positions to succeed. And, and maybe that's where we go back to Daniel Starris. Daniel Starris was not put in a position to succeed at right back. Um, I think he was put out there. Uh, everybody had their fingers crossed. 
They blessed themselves before it took the field, and they hoped that it would work out. That's not putting the guy in a, in a position to succeed. That's putting him in a position not to fail too greatly, and it didn't work out. Um, and Daniel Sturris, um, it, it really isn't at fault. He wasn't playing in the right position. That's like putting Zolotan at goalkeeper and then complaining if he gives up a lot of goals. Yeah, maybe that's an idea that they could they could work on there. We'll, we'll see. He's big. He's yeah, he, he is. Uh, let's go to Justin in Dallas was at the game. Here's Justin. What's up, Josh? It's Justin calling from Dallas. I was at the game. Utter disappointment. The attack looked good. I have no reservations about our attacking players. But at some point, we got to figure out the defense. I thought we brought Dom Kinnear in to sort things out, and we look more disorganized than ever. I don't – I, and I don't even want to blame just the defense. i got to blame Perry Kitchen, too. We brought him in to be a defensive midfielder, a destroyer, Osvaldo Alonso type, and he's out there giving away the ball, no physical presence in front of the defense, puts our defense on an island. i got to blame Dom Kinnear and Ziggy. I got to blame the people who brought these these guys in, Chris. We need to see some change. And four losses in a row, it's unacceptable. When will we see change? Give me your thoughts. RIP to the galaxy. We are dead. All right, there we go. Another another not not a very excited fan. RIP to the galaxy. Galaxy are dead. Um Listen, I I don't know what to say. Any of this. When are we going to see change? I don't know. I, it doesn't feel like it's imminent. Um, do you feel like anything's happening, Kevin? I mean, people are you know, Galaxy fans are grasping at straws. I keep seeing him retweet any rumor that has anything to do with the Galaxy. Um, do you think the Galaxy are able to do anything in the summer in the summer transfer window that fixes this team, um, or are you, you do you think Siggy is on the hot seat right now as we speak? Arson Wenger's at the airport right now. Yeah, of course. Everybody go there to meet him. Kevin will give you yeah. flight times. Um, it, you know, Ziggy, I, I, I'm going to come to Ziggy's defense a little bit. Um, when we came to training the other day, um, at, at, anyone who's been there knows that there's a um, uh, sort of a barrier around the fence. We're not allowed to – we're not supposed to look in and watch, and I think most of the journalists sort of respect that. But you can hear um, because, it, you know, it's not an enclosed practice field. Uh, and Ziggy was screaming the other day and, and very profane. It was obviously very ha- unhappy with something that happened. And then afterwards, when he spoke to the media, he was very curt. Um, you know, uh, he was, he was uh, you know, polite, but curt. You could tell he, was, he wasn't enjoying his time speaking to the media. He didn't want to be there, talk to us. So the frustration is starting to boil over uh, with him a little bit. I will say Dominic Kinnear, from what I see, seems to be running most of the practices, taking his orders from Ziggy, but he's the one that's hands-on out there. I, I do think that if something had to happen, the, the seamless, the easy seamless transition would be that Dominic becomes the head coach because he's doing a lot of the coaching anyways. Um, but I, I just, I say that, that Ziggy knows that things are not going well. Obviously he's not stupid. He's the winningest coach in MLS history. He knows things are not going well. I think he's very unhappy. Um, I did see him right before he was fired in Seattle. And if you remember, that team was uh, beyond horrible and nothing was going right. And I talked to him at a practice uh, at StubHub Center. The guy, uh, Seattle was in for a U.S. Open Cup, and they went to Kansas City and got shut out, and Ziggy was fired two days or three days after I talked to him. Um, he is not quite at that uh, place yet. When I saw him that day, I, I actually feared for his safety. I really thought he was going to uh, maybe go harm himself in some way. Um, he just was totally withdrawn. He's not there yet, but he's certainly not the um, 
the energetic, happy, um, we're going to solve this problem, Ziggy, that was hired last July. In last, last July, Ziggy had all the answers, and now I, I think he feels like he doesn't have any answers. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, I don't know, it's frustrating. Let's keep going with these calls. Here's, uh, here's uh, Keishan, Keishan from Ventura County. Let's see if I said that right. Hey, Josh, it's Keishan calling from uh, Ventura County. Um, first of all, I just wanted to say it was really great to finally meet you at the uh, uh, Galaxy versus Rebels game um, at the Subhub. Anyway, on to the Dallas game. I'm just really sad. Um, we don't seem to have a style of play. Like, I don't know if we're a counterattacking team. I don't know if we're a possession-based team. Um, I'm I'm just really sad. Um, I will give credit to the guys because we always seem to kind of fight back, but at the same time, um, we're too good of a team on paper to have to be a, a team that, that keeps having to fight back. Um, defensively, obviously, we know there's issues. I'm not sure what Emily Clement is doing wrong um, to to not get into the team. Um, I feel like we should give him a shot. Um, I feel like we rely on moments of brilliance from our good players rather than having a, a really good and successful style of play. Um, also, you've said it before, we don't deserve Ola Kamara. The guy pops at the left back. The guy's sliding all over the place, winning tackles, scoring goals. Um, if there's one positive that I can take out of this road trip so far, it's him. Anyway, thank you, and uh, keep up the great work. Keishan sad, Kevin. Keishan sad. Well, aside from the fact that he doesn't have an accent, he seemed to know a lot about soccer, except for the part where he enjoyed meeting you. That. That can't that be was, right. Uh, that was, I hope the check cleared. I hope you got that check to him before he did that phone call. This, this, um, is, this is what happens whenever you go down to meet people, Kevin, instead of saying up in your ivory tower, quote-unquote, working. Yeah, exactly. But uh, he makes a lot of good points. And uh, among the, the many good points is he doesn't know what kind of a team. Is it a counterattacking team or an attacking team, a, a possession team? He doesn't know what kind of team they are. That is a huge problem. Um, because when you watch the Galaxy play, it appears that they don't know what kind of team they are either. But then he made a couple other good points where he talked about they never give up, uh, and you know the, the Galaxy sometimes re- rely on moments of brilliance. The reason those two things are a good point, I think, is one, the fact that they don't give up and the team keeps fighting back, again, points to the character. I didn't see that last year. You remember the Atlanta game when it was clear that the team, including the guy wearing the armband that day, completely gave up, just quit, just just did not even go through the motions anymore. This team has not done that, and I'm going to attribute that to the character of a lot of the guys in that locker room, um, that they are, and the fact that there's not a lot of finger-pointing, at least, that we can detect going on, that these guys are character guys, and they are going to fight. Um, and maybe they've you know been dealt a bad game plan or bad formation or whatever it is. They're going to continue to fight and try to win the game. And the, the, the moments of brilliance, again, that goes back to there are really good players on this team. And, um, you know, when they have a chance to show that, Gio is an extremely talented player. When he's motivated and gets a chance to show it, yep. he can do some amazing, amazing things. Um, he's a whole different issue. But the point is there are players on this team that have an unbelievable talent, and you see that from time to time. And it, it, that makes it even more frustrating. If you're a, just a poor, terrible team uh, like the Chivas teams, uh, that used to play at StubHub, you look at that and you say, well, you know, if we get lucky and get a draw, that would be a great performance. When you see some of the things that these players can do in those rare moments of brilliance that the caller talked about, 
you wonder why don't they do that for 90 minutes? These guys would be great if they just did, did, did that for 90 minutes, and it doesn't seem to be happening. It's not happening. You're right. Keishan's got me. The talent me. is there. The talent is definitely there. That's that's the, the problem. That that's why it's more frustrating than last year. Last year, you could say the Galaxy were out talented by almost every team they played. This year, you can't say it, and it's annoying because they should be beating most of these teams. There are few teams they shouldn't have beat. Sporting Kansas City, uh, New York City, and let's see. Is there anybody else I would really put that up against them right now? No, that's it. Those are the two most talented teams that the Galaxy have really faced. And to be honest with you, Sporting Kansas City does it as a team more than they do it off of individual talents. All right. So and that was not a one-sided game. Yes, I know it was two to nothing, but I don't think that that was. I didn't come away from that game going, "Man, they got their butts handed to them." No. I thought that was pretty. Uh, now, I don't want to say it was an even game, but it wasn't one-sided. It was also it was definitive. I mean, up to a certain point, it was definitive. It was like Atlanta United, the loss to Atlanta United. It was definitive. Yes, they had them one nothing. You can take a lot of you know moral victories out of that, and then it was a late you know uh, late goal that that sort of made it two nothing. You can you, again, you can be excited about that, but ultimately the Galaxy should be competing in those games better than they have, and that's the the, the level of competition for me for the Galaxy this year has been atrocious in terms of how, when they're in games. They're in most of these games, but they don't have that extra 2% or 3% that is going to push them over and take some victories from these guys, and I don't know if they're going to have it this year. I don't know if Siggy Schmidt can give it to them. Uh, a criticism somebody leveled at Siggy Schmidt that I was talking to, uh, they said P Siggy Schmidt gets his teams to compete. He is a coach who can get his teams to compete. He's not a tactical guy. He's a competition guy, which I thought was an interesting take from somebody who knows way more about soccer than I do. Uh, let's go to Matt in Santa Clarita now. Uh, we still got two more calls to go. Hey, he lives close to me. Yeah, Hi, Matt. Yeah, exactly. All right, here's Matt. Josh, it's Matt from Santa Clarita. All I want to point out is that Giassi Zardes is the leading contender for the Golden Boot. If that doesn't just scream wake up to the FO and to the entire team and to all of us as fans as to what the real problem is, I don't know what else to tell you. This is ridiculous. All right. Going back to Giossi's artist a little bit there, Matt, uh, out in Santa Clarita, Kevin. Uh, yeah. I mean, Giossi's artist is playing well. Here's the thing. Does Giossi's artist score those goals for the LA Galaxy? I would say. No way. Yeah, there's, doesn't. it doesn't happen. Absolutely not. It doesn't happen. Well, so by the way, but I brought Giassi's artist up earlier. There's something out here. I think a lot of people in Santa Clarita are just big Giassi's artist fans. That's what it is. It um, must. It must yeah, be. Yeah, everyone in, in in everyone in Santa Clarita is talking about Giassi. No, I, we knew that. We knew that Giassi. Um, it wasn't anything on on him necessarily. He needed the change of scenery. Um, he didn't. Giassi. Uh, to, to all credit to him, he did not stand up and say that. He did not. Uh, that I know, demand a trade. Um, he tried to be a good soldier, um, but it was clear that he was spinning his wheels and he wasn't going to get any better here. He needed that change of scenery. I don't think there's anybody that is not cheering for him. Um, but uh, to look at it and say, oh, well, if he scores you know, eight goals, the Galaxy are so much better. No, Giassi doesn't score eight goals here. Maybe he played right back last week instead of D Daniel Starris, and maybe that, that result changes. But um, he doesn't score eight goals if he stays with the Galaxy, and Ola Kamara doesn't come if Giassi's still here. It's uh, so much fun. So much fun. All right, uh, let's see. Two more calls. Here we go. Robert in, as he said, the heart of Los Angeles. So here's Robert. Hello, Josh and the crew. This is Robert calling from the heart of Los Angeles. Just um, finished watching the FC Dallas LA Galaxy game, and uh, frustration is also building over here. Um, really enjoy 
the corner of the galaxy scarf I picked up recently from you guys, but uh, uh, utterly frustrated with the lack of ability of the galaxy to get on track so far this season with such a high, uh, uh, highly paid offense. Uh, still feel that we're missing something in the midfield. Just need that leader, that number ten, to help uh, get that ball to our highly talented offense to get them to score. Need that offense to be sharper in finishing still overall and constantly worried about the shaky defense and the goalkeeping. Um, still think there's a, uh, this team has a lot to offer. Wondering if uh, Ziggy's going to be able to, to get that team together and just get a little bite. There's some, a lot of bark there, but let's get this, this going with the team. World Cup break is coming soon. Second half of the season is going to be critical, but uh, Zig has got to look in the mirror and um, try to figure something out quickly. Thanks a bunch, guys. Really enjoy the the podcast and the commentary, and uh, look forward to listening along with you for the rest of the season. Take care, everybody. All right. See, Robert at least got something right. He has a corner of the galaxy scarf, which you can also do. It makes you feel better. Uh, I use it as a, you can use it as a security blanket to help you go to sleep. It relieves stress. Uh, it may cure certain medical uh, ailments that uh, that currently afflict you. I, 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 there's no there's no studies that say that. But I mean, you you might assume it. There's no studies that don't say it. That's right. <laughs> That's how it goes. Um no, I, I get it. Well, you need to get you need to get your scarf out right now, then, because it, it's not it's curing your anxiety. I mean, you're you uh, you sound uh, more suicidal than you have in recent times. I'm I'm just I'm frustrated by this whole thing. It's it's whenever you see a team that has this much talent that was constructed in a way that should be successful. I think the Galaxy should have success. It's frustrating to see the the players go through this the fans go through this i mean for the fans it's the most thing it, it's we're going to finish this out we have one call and then we have this tech this this uh this tweet and I, I can't wait to get to the tweet um because i think it's it's really interesting the question that they ask and kevin i don't know if we have a good answer for it but let's get let's get to this last call um from yenny in north hollywood and then we're going to get to this tweet and we're going to finish it all up and and hopefully we'll be able to put a bow on this episode and and it'll make people either feel better or feel worse i mean i don't care which it does but it needs answers so here's uh here's yenny in uh north hollywood hello josh and kevin this is yenny calling from north hollywood we just left the springbok bar viewing party here in the san fernando valley uh, today was horrible. Slatan almost made a few goals. Alessandrini hit the post, calls out next game. He's one of our hardest working players. Uh, they're not passing the ball in an, in an intelligent way. I noticed a lot of hesitation when they get close to the opposing team's net. They don't have a plan. There's so much chemistry between their team players. The team playing, um, the midfield was lacking. The ball is just going side to side. Something needs to change, but um, I don't know how we can get out of this loop. Anyways, feeling very frustrated because I love our team, but this is just horrible. All right. Have a great day. Bye-bye. All right. So uh, there's Yanni. See, Kevin. like you. Yeah, I was going to say, but no no English accent and clearly very knowledgeable about soccer. Throws that whole theory you had completely out the window. No, I I did not say an English accent. I said an accent. Did oh, an accent. You hear she said Alessandrini? That was way better. She has an accent. Yeah, she says it way better than you'll ever say it, by the way. That was... Well, everybody says it. Um, <laughs> we were going to, remember, we were going to talk about why I work uh, in newspapers and not in, in any in any kind of medium where I have to speak, uh, where I can't say these names, but we'll save that for another day. But absolutely, of course, I can't say any of these names. Yeah, it's. Uh, hey, I can. I can type them. I can't spell Schweinsteiger and Ibrahimovic from memory now. That's that's like. Ibrahimovic. I spelled my I spelled my own name wrong in in my uh, in my uh, 
uh, high school newspaper. Ibra- and I can spell Ibrahimovic and Schweinsteiger from memory now. So Ibrahimovic. Vich, not Zlatan. Vic. Zlatan. Yes, exactly. You know, my wife the- asked me that the other day. She goes, you're saying that name wrong, so everybody knows now. I'm glad your wife is trying to keep you in line over there just for a little bit. Um, all right, last, last question that we have for the day, and then we'll wrap up this uh, extremely long uh, podcast that we've been probably torturing some of you people with. Uh, we apologize for that, but you know, there's there's like 11 calls we had to get through. This is important stuff we're doing. Uh, here is the the question. Pay pay attention here, Panda, because this is going to be on you. Uh, this is uh, Tom. Tom says, I'm not sure where to send this, but if you're recording with Baxter tonight, can you possibly discuss anything either of you know about AEG and their attitudes towards the team and front office currently? I know AEG is a huge entertainment empire, and I wonder if the Galaxy makes up such a small slice of revenue that they may not even be paying attention to what's going on with the club that's from tom <sighs> since tim like wait kick? yeah I was, let, let me let me let me kick off because i don't know okay. you you talk to dan beckerman more than i do so let me kick it off and then i'll toss it to you i think you can wrap this no, up actually i listen to dan beckerman scold me more often than you do oh. but any case however you want to define it either way uh, since Tim Laiwiki left, I feel that there has been a lack of understanding, a lack of care from AEG towards the LA Galaxy. Uh, however you want to put that, however you want to couch it, uh, you know, Tim Laiwiki was larger than life, was super involved with the LA Galaxy, wanted to see it succeed, worked hard to make it succeed. Uh, and ended up pulling things off, like getting David Beckham to come to the LA Galaxy. Um, you know, did things that that nobody else could do in terms of trying to promote what was then still like a little bit of a fledgling league, league there for the LA Galaxy, even in the 2000s, 2008, 2009, you know, 2010s, and there really made the LA Galaxy the super team that they they ha- were, turned out to be during that tenure with Bruce Arena and everything there. So for me, when Tim Laiwecki left. AEG, there has been a lack of understanding and focus on a team that, as 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 uh, as uh, I forget who uh, who said the the tweet here, um, a Tom, as Tom said, um, they make up such a small portion of revenue slash spending for AEG that it's almost like a rounding error at the bottom of some of this stuff. Granted, it's a lot of money, um, but in terms of what AEG does and and the holdings they operate and the money that they circulate and make, I, you know, again. You have to remember that Phil Anschutz at one time, Kevin, wanted to put this team up for sale. Um, so there's all sorts of things that are going on at AEG that I think that they pay almost zero attention to the LA Galaxy. That's my opinion of what I've seen so far. What what can you take from it? Well, I, I could take this in a lot of different ways, but I will agree with you. Tim Laiwiki was very involved with the Galaxy, um, and you've seen him go on to have, you know, he was a um, crucial part of, uh, the change in direction in Toronto that made yeah. them into the league's the best team in history, record-wise. Uh, he's been very involved in getting uh, David Beckham's uh, group off the ground, which looks like may finally happen in Miami. So he has sort of worked his magic in a couple of different cities. He was very involved here. You're right. I, I, I get the impression that the, the Galaxy was his focus. Yes, he was involved with the Kings. And uh, his ultimate downfall, I think, was not getting the NFL stadium. Um, but the Galaxy seemed to be his baby, um, you know, uh, now Beckerman seems to be very involved with the Kings. Now there's going to be an expansion and more work going on in the convention center. AEG's got some things going on over there. I do think that Wiki was much more of a soccer person than Beckerman was. However, I'm going to go back and say that, remember, Phil Anschutz's name is on the MLS Cup trophy. Uh, it's called the Anschutz Trophy, it, it, which is what people get when they win the MLS Cup. 
Um, he was the one that saved, single-handedly saved MLS back in the day. Yes, at one point he was trying to sell uh, the Galaxy, but he did sell Colorado. He did sell Houston. He did sell his interest in other teams, which was a good thing for the league. The team he kept was the Galaxy. And he was here last summer, witnessed part of the train wreck. Um, I've been told by people that uh, are reporting about the conversations that took place in his suite after the game where he, uh, in, in my reporting, scolded the front office for the way the team was performing. I'm told by management that that was not accurate. I believe that it was accurate, and I believe that this is man- management was just trying to say, um, everything's fine here, you know, uh, move along, citizens, nothing to look at. I do think Phil Anschutz is, is very disappointed. I don't think he wanted the team to crash and burn like he has. I think he's his, his legacy uh, for all the things that he's done with AEG, there's a lot of people that own uh, concert venues and that put on concerts. There's very few people uh, that have saved anywhere in the world that have single-handedly saved the first division soccer league. Um, this team, this league had already decided it was going to declare bankruptcy before Phil Anschutz stepped in and saved it in 2001. And then Landon Donovan came over and we all know the history. So I do think that, you know, in his obit, uh, MLS is going to be in the first or second paragraph. So, you know, he is invested in this and I do think it means a lot to him. However, having said all that, um, I do think that, you know, he, uh, is, obviously getting on in years. Uh, he's probably thinking about other things than soccer. Um, and I, at one point I was under the impression and I still feel that there's some truth to this, that the galaxy was hemorrhaging money. We're told about how much the galaxy is worth, how much the franchise is worth. That's if it gets sold. Uh, if you look at year, year to year numbers, uh, the galaxy, from what I understand, continued to lose money in rather significant for MLS, rather significant ways. I do believe, uh, or I have reason to believe, I should say, this is not something that you see me reporting because, you know, I'll talk about it here now, but I don't know that I have uh, all the T's crossed and all the I's dotted. But I do believe that the galaxy had uh, lost money uh, over the years in such a significant way that I think. Part of the problem last year was Phil Anschutz saying, look, we've got to rein in some of the spending. We've got to cut back. And you see, you see payroll went down significantly over a two-, three-year period. It is back up now. So I do believe that um, perhaps the bottom line has got a little bit healthier. Um, AEG is comfortable spending in the team again. They're not getting the results. And I think that uh, ultimately is going to be the big takeaway from this is you can, you can look at last year's team and say, hey, we didn't spend any money on this team. Sure, they were terrible but we didn't spend any money on them. What did you expect? Now you turn around and say, we're the second most expensive uh, team in the league, and yet we still can't compete. This may be sort of the straw that breaks the camel's back. This may be the one that gets people in AEG to sit up and take notice of, hey, we're giving these guys the same money we gave you know, Bruce Arena five years ago and he won an MLS Cup. How come these guys can't even uh, you know, get into the playoffs? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting time. It certainly is. I, I will say... Uh, again, just to reiterate, when they lost Tim Laiwiki, they lost that conduit from from Phil Anschutz to to the team that was really a driver for the LA Galaxy. Uh, I don't feel the same way about Dan Beckerman. I think he understands what's going on. I think he's there, but he's leaving it to the LA Galaxy's front office. And so when you look at that, that's, that's what you're getting from well, that. It, it feels more like a company. It feels like I'm going to delegate. Uh, I am the head of this company. I'm the CEO. Chris Klein, you're running this part of my division. You're running this division of the company. Um, Tim Laiwiki, I don't think did that. I think Tim Laiwiki, for better or for worse, and I, probably the kind of guy that you and I would hate to work for, but I think Tim Laiwiki was intimately and emotionally involved in the galaxy, whereas now it feels like part of a multinational corporation, and this is the widget division, and 
you know, as long as the widget division doesn't, uh, you know, get the team, uh, the company involved in too many lawsuits and doesn't lose too much money, uh, we'll, you know, we're okay with that. Right. Um, and I kind of feel like it's a little bit more of a hands-off thing than it was during Tim Wiki's era. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I think that that's exactly how how it feels, at least for now. All right. Uh, the LA Galaxy will face off against the Montreal Impact coming up on Monday. That's right, Monday, so not even this weekend. Monday, uh, May 21st, that is a 12 p.m. kickoff time. That game is on Spectrum Sportsnet, Spectrum Deportes. A 12 p.m. kickoff time on Monday because it's Victoria Day in Canada, and it's a big holiday, and they will not have uh, work. So that's why it'll kick off 3 p.m. local time for them and 12 p.m. Uh, local time here in... P- the question is, will the Galaxy work on Monday? Yeah, we'll We'll find out for sure. So that's what you can have to look forward to. Obviously, have a show coming up on Thursday night where Wendy Thomas and I will, of course, be taking your calls and answering your questions live at 7 p.m. on Thursday. Uh, that's Thursday, May 17th, and so we have that to look forward to as well. Mr. Kevin Baxter, we have talked everybody's ear off for nearly two hours now, so I think we should probably wow. let every. I know. we And we didn't think we had that much to talk. We were like, eh, I, go, I got a lot of calls, though, so we'll be fine. Yeah, uh-huh. that's how it goes. Stoppage time. A lot of stoppage time. A lot of stoppage time. And remember, anytime you you can have that much fun with Panda and Pato. It's a, it's a good day. So uh, I think everyone win, win win just one more Panda and Pato for everybody before we leave. Panda and Pato in the morning. All right, good. Wanted to get that out of there so that way you can use it for your ringtones, however you want to abuse that particular. Hey, where are the Panda and Pato t-shirts? Work, of- working on them. There were some good suggestions and I have to implement those suggestions. One of which was to make sure that the uh, this particular Panda bear had a goatee. So I will have to put a oh. goatee on the panty bear, which I thought was a, a good call there. Uh, brown goatees to, to match yours. And then the Pato should be wearing boat shoes. All right. And so both of okay. those things have to happen, I think, for that, for that T-shirt to really take off. So we're working on it. We're getting there. My wife, who is going, by the way, is going with Matt to uh, Men and Blazers in a couple of weeks. My wife said that the panda is too skinny, which I... <laughs> Not sure if I like that idea or if I'm insulted by that. Uh, she says the panda's too skinny. I, you know what? It's all that retouching that happens in Photoshop whenever they take <laughs> pictures of the pandas. So we'll we'll try to eliminate some of that from uh from pandas are native to Sweden, as you know. <laughs> That's I, I told that joke on Thursday night. By the way, I couldn't help it. Anymore <laughs> that you you were saying oh well pandas like the cold I'm like those are polar bears you're like yeah that's what I meant the polar bears the pandas and the pol- polar they're the, pandas they're the same they're, thing they're all they're, they're all unbearable the, oh my. panda and pato in the morning all right if you're looking for Mr Kevin Baxter over at the L A Times feel free to follow him at kbaxter11 on Twitter and of course latimes.com for all of his soccer coverage in Southern California. If you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at jgesman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N. And, of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com where you can get scarves and stickers and read all of our wonderful articles, listen to our podcast, do all that fun stuff, cornerofthegalaxy.com. All right, for Mr. Kevin Baxter, I'm Josh Kesman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box, a very long Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy from the Box podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again 
Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.